And you are watching another Blewitz Blitz film review. He has that ability to do, trust me, he definitely does. Just his ability to catch balls outside of his frame, his leaping ability, his ability to hang in the his yak ability, it's, it's all. Lowers his helmet, low man wins. Bang, rocks the guy. Hall running free, Brees Hall inside the 10, he's gonna score! The, the corners all do their job. You know, if you look at the if you look at the picture right here, lock, lock, lock. Third and one. It's always drilled. What a great defensive play. I don't try to Monday morning quarterback any of the reviews I do, and I'll try to be honest with a lot of those things I, I put up. And you are listening slash watching another edition of Blue It Splits Live. This time joined by the man you saw in the picture before with uh, some devil horns and laser eyes. That was your uh, suggestion, Nadia. by the way, fully inspired by you. So I just went out and executed it. Uh, I did. I did. I did ask. I did ask for you to have horns and uh, and red eyes there because we have to talk about some of your your lack your lack of um, understanding with Dalvin Cook and his numbers. Apparently, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Jets uh, drubbing of the Panthers in the preseason game. We're also going to do some hard knocks. We're going to do some camp happenings, offensive line battles, uh, potential trades for people. I saw Kelvin Beecham mentioned today, which is a name I did not think I would. have be clamoring for the Jets to have in 2023, but I would, I might take it right now. So um, we'll, we'll talk about that. I saw some comments that disappeared uh, prior to uh, Eagle Fang was in here first at 521 said fake news hack. Rick Shroud wrote a, uh, wrote a hit piece on the New York Jets, accusing them of bail, uh, bailing on the put uh, on the bucks for practice. We really need to get you guys in foreign park, which Sabo is in foreign park. I don't know how often, but seemingly almost every single day we have Sabo uh, on the boots in foreign park reporting with, by the way, Nanya, some of the best practice reports. And I don't know, I'm, I'm not going to say this is a definitely a thing, but I saw Sabo sort of put the little dashes and like, you know, this happened, dash, this happened, dash, this observation, dash, this observation. Nobody else really did it. And then a bunch of people started doing it. I'm not going to say that Sabo is a connoisseur, but he may be. So he is there. Uh, so credit to him. He's been absolutely killing it with that. Um but yeah, I don't know if you saw that, Nani. Did you see the whole thing about this Rick? I don't even know if that's the, the guy's name. I'm assuming that his name is Rick Straub, or the guy who uh, is like a Bucks reporter or whatever, and basically put it out there or like kind of manipulated his words to make it sound like the, the Jets canceled like yesterday or today on the Bucks practice today. I did see that, yeah. um, which I, I thought was surprising because I I'm pretty sure we knew about this for a few days ahead of this. So I don't mm-hmm. I don't see how it's any sort of you know last minute cancellation or anything. But you know, like people always try to find ways to spin it into more of a story than it is. Yeah. You know, it's bad too about it. I'm not, I, I'm definitely not one to like criticize the beat, uh, beat reporters and all that stuff, just because it's trying to be somewhat professional, but you have Rick Stroud who puts out that tweet basically indicating or, or trying to like twist it. So that, you know, make it seem to, to his followers and whoever else sees the tweet that the jets canceled today. And then you have Samini who quote tweets it and says the bucks find a place to practice after the jets canceled on them but didn't feel like providing any sort of context that, like you said, it was it was planned for days that they weren't going to do the second practice. It's not like, oh, you know, shit, we got in six fights yesterday or whatever. Let's cancel last second. Now the Bucks don't have a, a place to to practice, and we gave them no time to adjust. It's like, no, this was figured out a week ago. So, um, again, I'm not one to necessarily take shots, but I think that was pretty low class for him to not add context to that. And, you know, it's for engagement. And there's some things that I think Samini does well that people just hate 
Um, and he's in a tough spot because listen, at the end of the day, the Jets have sucked for the, for the last, you know, 10 years. And he's put in a spot where he has to write negatively about the Jets because they're a shitty team. But with that being said, there's definitely sometimes he takes some unnecessary shots. He spins stuff. He he's a little bit coy. He'll focus, you know, there, there'll be 10 positive things at practice. He writes about the one negative thing. So, um, a little bit low class for me, but I'm not gonna make a comment on it too much because again, we don't want to get into the, too much in that realm. Uh, plenty of other drama happening this week on Twitter between podcasts and all that other stuff. I'm not sure if you saw all of that, Nadia, but Jesus. Um, Bonesy is asking me if I'm doing a fan, the, the X Factor Fantasy this year. I honestly don't know. Um, I was in, I'm in six leagues, and I'm thinking about dropping some of the leagues that I'm a commissioner in. It's just too much work. So we'll see. Uh, Bonesy, I'll, I'll get back to you. I'll let you know. Uh, Snoopy's in here. What's up? I feel bad for Nadia tonight. <laughs> um, I, you know, listen, I, I, think, I think this podcast, uh, people have been watching it for a little bit typically expect us to uh to approach topics from a pretty grounded standpoint so i don't think nani's gonna get shredded by me i don't think he'll get shredded by a lot of the people who've been listening to the show because what nania puts out there in his articles and what i put out there um in terms of my reviews my twitter stuff or on this show it's been pretty consistent um nani and i may differ a little bit with the whole the whole cook deal but we'll get to that in a little bit i don't want to uh i don't want to uh to, to spoil the the main event you know, I, I yeah, you, you don't have this, to feel so. bad. Like I, I, I can take it. I've been taking it. I'm ready. Yeah, no, no Nani is, and and Nani is, he's he's grown some balls over the years too. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see him uh, go back at at some people. Oh, let me remove this off the screen. I apologize, so you can see us a little bit better. Um, Nani uh, playing hell, uh, playing heel today. Even though you spell, I don't know, is that the right? Uh, I don't think so. That's the wrong way to spell heel, right? So <laughs> Bones is in here. Daniel Murphy, uh, Murphy. Nani equals the devil. Say, here we go. Nani, I'm still mad at you for ratting out our NYJ uh, insider. Yeah. Oh, that was that whole uh, Reddit thing. Like, what, what happened exactly with that, Nani? So this isn't my first controversy controversy of the year. I guess no, I've it's, it's been bad. that kind of kind of year for me. I don't know. I, I feel like that one I got a little bit too much criticism for. Like, I, I get it. Like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he was posting it on a public forum. It would have gotten found out eventually. So, uh, you know. I feel bad, but you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have so we have Trey Grant here says I disagree with Nani on on Cook, but his stuff is top notch. So there you go. At least Thanks. we can start from a nice balanced, that. you know, perspective. But Nani is good. Um, and again, for the for the Cook stuff, I I pretty much support him. Um, I think there's some questionable stats that we can bring up, and I know um, Nani is not just a stack guy. He'll take he'll take a look at some film and stuff like that, and we'll question grades. One of the things I figured out recently, Nani, which I, I don't know if we discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago, or you, you maybe you're on like a month ago, but uh, what was I looking at? Like coverage, coverage grades. If you're not, if you're not targeted on that play, you just get a neutral grade, which to me yeah, is absurd yeah. because that's right. 90% of the, the grade or the game. So you're going to get absolutely cooked on a nine route by 15 yards, but because he was sacked or wasn't targeted, it doesn't count as a bad play. So that process is absurd to me. And I, I even plan on starting uh, with this. I haven't really read this in my notes, Nanya, but you did put out a, a, you know, a post kind of criticizing PFF. Yeah, and I've, yeah. obviously if you are, comfortable enough to tweet it maybe you're comfortable enough to talk about it but you brought up some really good points um in terms of you know kind of questioning how they come to their numbers so if, if right. you want to speak on that at all go uh, go ahead because i thought it was pretty good work that you that you put out there oh yeah because i mean i just saw a few tweets from like other jets accounts and reporters and stuff and they'll do like those pff stat dumps where it's like here here are the best graded players from the game here are the worst graded players and mm-hmm. like I, I think there is some value to be found in pff grades if you contextualize them the right way but when you're just dumping numbers like that it doesn't mean a whole lot because as you and i know from watching the game to say that mm-hmm. joe tidman went out there and he's like a 40 or whatever it is 
is just not right. And then there were a lot of other things that kind of stood out as weird. Um, like, for example, they had Schweitzer graded as if he passed block terribly, but I'd watched every single play. I put up an article that had every single uh, play from the first team offensive line, and like yep. he didn't do anything wrong. There was one screenplay where you know maybe he let his guy in a little bit too much if you want nitpick, but other than that, there was like nothing to debate about. He was pretty much perfect, so I don't see how they came up with that. So, so yeah, like when when you watch the film, like you and I do, and I know, and and I I watch plenty of film. Definitely, I think I would say you go a little deeper than I do for sure. But um, it, what, all you have to do is watch it, and you'll see like, yeah. wait, these grades aren't kind of lining up with what you actually yeah. see when you look at it. So it, mm-hmm. whenever I see examples like this is blatantly wrong, I feel like it's good to call it out just to make sure people understand that, you know, the story is the true story is probably different than what is getting shown by some of the grades that might get put around. So it does bother me a little bit when I see players get these false narratives attached to them Mm -hmm. based on those grades. So that's what kind of my motive was with that tweet. Just say, Hey, like let's watch these games. Let's take everything into account. Instead of just saying, here's a number that definitively says how well they played. Yeah, and it's it's just I, I don't understand like how they grade stuff because it seems like they try to say that they have guys watching it and like they give it whatever it is like a one a zero or or a negative one or whatever exactly it is. But then you have times where like I see that it's clearly just based on like on on stats like you know yards per catch whatever it may be like you know do you deserve a perfect grade on a on, like that it greatly affects your game if it's like you know just like the three touchdowns the, the, the sorry the three touchdowns that happened this week between what EJ Jenkins right Kuntz, and like and, and whoever the other guy, I love tight end. I'm blanking out right now. Um, Kenny Aboa, like, are those good plays for the tight ends, or they just catch the ball? And right, blow exactly. Like, like, I you... think Coons had like an elite grade in this game. It's like, okay. I mean, he had a yeah. wide open touchdown, and he yeah, had a one nice Cager, catch and run. But like Lawrence Cager last preseason, remember he had like a 90 grade, and he had like yeah, two yeah. slide routes that were wide open for like 25 yards, but it's because those were only his two catches, so he grades out the highest. So yeah, it's there's a bunch of problems with the grades, but um, you know, it's just use it. Use it, but be aware that it doesn't tell the whole story. That's that's right, sure. and, and so. like that's something that I think I pride myself on is like I, I am a stat guy. Like I spend a lot of time looking at stats, analyzing them. I use them in my articles, but I like to make sure that I'm not just saying like, you know, I'm going to use the stats. That's going to tell the whole story. I also think I'm a critic of stats, and I like to break them down and say, you know, what's accurate, what's not accurate, mm-hmm. what needs to have, you know, this caveat to it, like. Hey, here's what this does tell you. Here's what it also doesn't tell you. Here's something that you can learn from this stat. Here's what you need to watch the film to know. So I think that's something I've really emphasized with using stats is just not not only using them as a way to talk about the game, but also critiquing the metrics themselves and the pros and cons of using them. Yeah, uh, and we'll we'll get to some stats later, specifically with uh, Dalvin Cook and some of the questionable things that stats may lead to that yeah. maybe reflect him more positively than uh, than he should be, or more negatively. Uh, RJ says, Joe, um, Joe, how did Becton look in Carolina? Also, how do you think Will McDonald has held up versus the run? I haven't really watched him like individually versus the run on a lot of reps. I don't think he really stood out. There was one rep I put up. I'm not sure if it was against. I think it was against Carolina. Or did maybe you see the one in the really- Panthers game, or the, there was one rep where a tight end just completely dominated him other than that uh, though I, I thought he was pretty good but there was one where he kind of got tight end latched onto him drove him like at least five yards down the field other than that yeah. i thought he held up pretty good on the edge 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that play. And again, there's things like I'll admit that in my reviews, you know, you're watching so see many players and so many up. things happening at, at the same time that sometimes you don't notice stuff. But there was a time in the in the Browns game where he stood up that left guard like really, really well and, and held his ground and shed him. And obviously the ball didn't go there, but it was a really nice play if the ball were to go there. So the process was very good. The the result obviously was the the running back cutback and wasn't necessarily or Wilmington didn't end uh end up being involved in the play, but still good. And then Beckton, um his seven reps versus the Browns were very, very good uh, for the most. Yeah, for the most part. Um, and then in Carolina, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, pass pro was better than his run game. In the run game, I was still seeing some flat angles. And there were some things that he was doing that he did similar to at Louisville. And even his, in his rookie year, there's some times where, again, a little bit too flat. There's some times he crosses his feet in, in the contact window that I don't want him to or I want him to see him a little bit more attached to the ground. Uh, and then, again, not one of the other one of the things I definitely brought up in his rookie review um, or prior to coming to the Jets, is he tries to launch guys instead of like latching and and you know getting that quarter turn like I say and climb the and and, uh, and climb the tree you know get off your insteps of your feet and and work them up the field and and get nice tight elbows. Instead, he tries to launch guys where he like he's like looking for the the big play where guys will be able to flatten out or avoid him trying to launch. Or he gets a little bit off balance because of it, and they get it on the play. Uh, he had the one down block where he missed the linebackers because he he overcommitted to the down block or uh, to the combo on the first level, but overall pretty good. And at the end of the day, just like I said, versus Cleveland, and I'm sure you're going you're to say the same thing. And obviously we're going to talk about the Panthers game and feel free to lump the Cleveland game in as well, Nanya. But um, with the, with the Browns game, I was like, yeah, look, look, he played seven, uh, seven snaps all look great. But at the end of the day, before the Cleveland game, the thing we all wanted to see was him play what? 20, 20, uh, 20 to 25 reps, just like Salah said, and he played seven. So while the seven reps were good, it was still overall a negative game from, for for me for him because he had to come out. Now, obviously, he played more the next week, which is encouraging. He played a little bit more at practice, et cetera. Um, and in this game, he looked good and played 27 reps, if I'm not mistaken. So um, what have you seen? Ver, uh, what did you see versus Becton? And then you mentioned Will McDonald a little bit there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Cleveland body of work was more effective because he was, he was pretty much flawless in those seven plays. But, you know, it is seven plays, which can be one drive. So, you know, not a ton to look at, but, you know, Caroline a little more up and down. Um, I agree with everything you said about that game being a little bit more of a mixed bag than Cleveland. But what was more important is the fact that he stayed in there and played mm-hmm. those reps. And I think that's, you know, Salah has pretty explicitly stated that they really do want to see that from him. And that's what's most important. But at the same time, I do think, you know, if that's the challenge, you know, let's maybe give him more of a chance to prove that he can stay in a game for a long time because I mean Tipman has been playing the majority of the snaps in these two preseason games so it's not like they have had a fear of playing important players a lot of snaps or obviously Tipman isn't necessarily a pencil and starter yet but they've been mm-hmm. willing to play him so I think they should you know they've ramped him up so far I would like to see in the next two games have that challenge of let's see how far you can go as as much as you can do go out there and do it because we're a few weeks away now from potentially you needing to be able to do that. And we have to know if he's capable of it. So I would like to see him push through and get some more snaps, but I think the the performance has been good. Uh, you know, preseason competition, you want to see him play well against those guys. And I think for the most part, he's done a solid job, you know, still some things to work out, but he's done solid. Uh, and, and I also put in that play I was talking about, I don't know if you saw, I shared it, but uh, the Will McDonald play I was talking about, if you want to look at that. Uh, I didn't. I don't see it on my screen. Um, Where'd you share? Yeah, it on, I, try, on I tried. I tried to share it. Yeah. No, on the uh, streamyard. Can you see it? No, I can't. Um, okay. 
Yeah, I can't. That's I don't know fine. why I can't. I can't see it. But um, nonetheless, with with the whole Beckton thing, I guess we can kind of tie this in just because like naturally the preseason stuff's going to spill over into training camp. But with with Beckton at, at um, you know, in this game and playing better, we were obviously kind of questioning that he wasn't playing right tackle because if the plan is for him to come in, um. And play with the starters, obviously, okay, he needs some slaps at right tackle. And he was never playing with the first team at left tackle. And it seemed like they're almost like just reserving that spot clearly for for Brown. And they're trying to get a little bit of mix and match with Mitchell playing there, with with Turner playing there, um, with Warren playing there. So those guys are all cross-trained on, on both positions. But it was kind of weird that Beckton wasn't playing with the left team in, in first uh, with the first team. But then he also wasn't getting right tackle snaps. And then, you know, Sala kind of came out and was like getting excuses about trying to ramp him up in certain players. You need to do certain things and make sure his knee can hold up with it. And uh, some people called bullshit. But now he's starting to get some reps at right tackle. And it's like after, you know, the hard knocks episode, which we'll talk about, you know, you have you have Sala criticizing the the offensive line, which, by the way, the, I, I don't really know all about it because I didn't want to listen to the whole thing. But the whole WFAN thing calling Sala out about like not being a you know, or, or putting on a show for the cameras and stuff like they just gotten, they've gotten so terribly bad. Um, it's almost frustrating that they, you know, are voices for a lot of people, but regardless, um, but like Tierney and Tiki and all these guys are just absolute garbage. It's just, it's, you know, sorry. It yeah, is. I, didn't, I didn't look into that. I saw a couple of people talking about it, but, and anytime I see them come up, I, I'm not even slightly intrigued yeah. to look into it. Cause it's like, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really bad. But, but you had, but you had the whole practice thing where Sala freaked out, and then you go to the Bucks, or you had the Bucks practice where you had a bunch of fights, bunch of sacks. You know, Rogers uh, getting uh, pressured pretty consistently. Becton still not playing right tackle, and people are getting frustrated. But now, I think just today, maybe, or maybe yesterday, I don't know if they didn't practice yesterday, but I, at least today, Becton is taking snaps at right tackle. So, do you think that's where he ends up? Because that's what we assumed what would happen, but he hasn't made any snaps. Um, he hasn't made any snaps there, but we're kind of getting into a pressure cooker moment now. We're, we're about a month away from the season, a little bit less. Rodgers is starting to mention, like, listen, we got to get this shit figured out, mentioning the tackle specifically, um, seemingly getting frustrated in practice sometimes with them. So is it Becton at right tackle? Is that what's going to eventually happen? I mean, I, I think that's what they want, right? Because just the fact that they're open to it finally at this point, and I don't know what the, yeah. you know, what held them back from trying it was, but, you know, the fact that we're, finally here and they're trying him a right tackle Dwayne Brown is hopefully coming back at some point uh, mm-hmm. before the season I think they want that as best case scenario they want to keep AVT a guard they want Beckton fill right tackle not Turner or Mitchell and have Brown start but um, I don't know because it's, it does seem like Beckton's been pretty open he would rather play left tackle and not that his opinion matters you know because he just needs to play at the spot where it's best for the team, but um, he's definitely it, changed his tune though. Since, yeah, since he's changed his tune, which, which is good. But um, you know, he said he's more comfortable there. That might be more ideal considering it's the right knee that's injured. Although, you know, you would like to get to the point where it doesn't affect him no matter where he is, because you know, if it affects him on the right side, it'll affect him on the left. So um, but I don't know. I mean, the one lineup that I threw out there and you let me know what you think of this, but I threw this out there yesterday. Um, a lineup, it's a little creative, but I think one way they could go, is you know start back in a left tackle, move AVT to right tackle, and have McGovern and Tipman start at those two spots in the middle. Who starts where? You know Tipman right guard, McGovern center. Mm-hmm. That depends on what the team sees, but I like that idea because I don't want I don't want Mitchell or Turner starting, and then Dwayne Brown. I mean I, I I think you're higher on him than I am, but I'm not super high on him starting either. You know, 38 years old, he's going to be fresh off surgery by the time the season starts. Hasn't really taken any reps with the 
you know, the new quarterback of the offense yet. Um, he struggled last year. I know he's playing through the shoulder, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not sure he's an ideal starter at this point. He could be, but, you know, there's also also the chance that he just hits a wall and is really bad this year. So I, I'm not super high on him. So I think if you're willing to move AVT to right tackle, mm-hmm. and if you're willing to put McGovern or Tittman at guard, which I think both of them are capable of doing, um, then that's how you can get your best five out there and avoid having you know one of those other guys out there who might not be an ideal starter talent. So it, it takes some yeah. maneuvering to do this lineup. I don't know if you would be open to doing that, but I feel like that mm-hmm. is something they could do to get the best five out there. Yeah, it's like it's it's definitely loading. You're talking about five positions. Um, to to me and Salva, I don't know if it was the interview today or maybe um, smoke alarm. Another day. Uh, hopefully, Nani's house is not on fire. Is your house not on fire? <laughs> it's, not on fire. it's not on fire. It's not on fire. Okay, yeah. If you need to go handle that, go go ahead. I don't know if you can hear me in your in your earphones if you walk away. But uh, yeah. So with, with with that, the only thing is like Salva mentioned it again. Maybe it was today where he doesn't really want. Uh, or he at least indicated We're that he does not want Tipman. <laughs> there you go. He doesn't. He, he was kind of indicating that he didn't want Tipman at guard. So I don't know if moving or, or keeping, you know, Brown out of the lineup to to have Beckton on his natural spot is worth putting ABT to tackle, resulting in Tipman being the right guard. Um, and with Tipman, okay, you could maybe say that Tipman center. And McGovern's the guard, but the problem with that is obviously we know center. The the part you know the big part of it is the cerebralness and calling out protections and all that stuff. And and Rodgers may do that, but still you know maybe Rodgers wants like a kind of a running mate with that, some guy who can point out things maybe he doesn't see or just you know relay him some information or whatever it may be. And then also we you know you're watching Hard Knocks this week, which again we'll get to. You have a guy picking up grass and picking it up and or, and throwing it and all this stuff and feeling it and doing all this shit and talking about center snaps. And you've specifically pointed out that. Not only has Tipman like slightly struggled with with center snaps, but he's he's he struggled quite a bit in terms of you know throwing it from shotgun and being a little bit off kilter. So not only is it like oh rotation versus kind of throwing a dud out there, now you have all, you you also have bad locations. So what's the chances he'd actually play center with um, Rodgers to start the season off? I'm not so sure. Um, so I would say that you know Brown coming back, he's going to be a below average tackle. But I'm not so sure if like putting Tipman to guard is like some big upgrade. Uh, that's that's like worth doing all that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I laid that out the, the the best way there. But to me, Brown's a lock, right? Brown's a lock at left tackle, or for the you know 95% sure that he's a lock at left tackle. You have uh, Lake and Tomlinson at obviously left guard, and then past that, I think that is going to be McGovern at center. But with them talking about uh, AVT moving or, you know, some stories coming out about AVT maybe moving to right tackle, there's been talk of maybe Schweitzer at right guard. Um, But I'm not the biggest fan of that. So how do you see Schweitzer fitting in at right guard if AVT has to move the tackle? Um, And then with that being said, like Schweitzer versus Tittman versus McGovern for that spot and kind of what I was speaking about before. Right. I think that's where, you know, my idea kind of comes in because like, I'm not a huge Schweitzer fan either. And I know I defended his Carolina game. I thought he was yeah. good in the passing game, but um, you know, the, his body work isn't great either. He's a backup talent. That's what his contract says. It's what his production says, his film, everything. So I don't think he's a guy who wants starting either. So like there is the concern of, you know, is Tipman ready to play guard? He hasn't practiced it a lot. He did a little bit a couple days ago. Is McGovern ready to make that switch? He hasn't, you know, he played in college, played at the start of his career, but it would be another transition 
you know, is Tittman ready to play center with his snapping and being a rookie center? So there's a lot of questions there, but I think just pure talent wise, I would rather gamble on one of those guys moving to guard and trying to figure it out with them than putting Schweitzer out there because, you know, you know Schweitzer, he's started, he is a guard. You can say that, but he's a backup <laughs> guard. So it's, you know, it, it fits like in terms of the puzzle pieces, but he's also just not very good. So I kind of would rather just gamble on someone who has more upside maybe doesn't work out, but would it be that much worse than Schweitzer? Maybe not. So I, like, I feel like I'd rather take that chance. Would they actually mm-hmm. do that? I'm not, I don't, it doesn't seem like they're really considering that, but that's probably what I would do. Yeah. For, for reasons like for me, not wanting Schweitzer to play a right guard for me, not thinking the jets, you know, I don't think they want Tipman to play right guard. It seems like you're going to have McGovern at, at center and again, yeah, Tippmann would be fine there at right guard. That might be the actual like best lineup. But with that being said, I think it's going to be Brown and Beckton at your tackles. I think I think you know you had Rogers, um, who you had that picture or not the picture. You had the whole hard knocks thing where uh, you know he walks up to Makai, Makai walks up to him, and Makai's like, "I want to protect you." Whatever they're going to dinner, and then apparently Salah had a conversation with him the other day. Um, so it's and now you have him playing right tackle. So it seems like they spoke to him about playing right tackle, and he's going to do that. So. Brown Beckton tackles now. Obviously, you, you'd hope that Beckton had more you know time to play right tackle, and Brown had more time to come back, and that was already settled. And Lakey Tomlinson wasn't out day to day, and ABT's not out day to day, which is sketchy. But you have those guys. You have those guys. You have Lakin. You have ABT at right guard, and you have Connor McGovern at center with Tippmann as the backup. I think that's what it initially is, and I can see um, maybe a scenario where Beckton gets hurt or something like that. ABT kicks out, and then maybe with some experience, you know. You have Tippin coming at center, and then McGovern go go out to right guard. But initially, I think that's what the starting lineup is. What What do you think of Dwayne Brown in terms of his on? Like, what do you expect from him on the field this year? Because I thought last year the run blocking was pretty bad, and then the pass blocking maybe maybe average with the pass blocking, so not too bad. But uh, mm-hmm. there was the shoulder he's playing through, obviously. So hopefully that's healed. But again, at the same time, going to be thirty eight years old, he could have been. Uh, do for a fall off anyway, even if he was healthy. So like, what do you think they would get out of a healthy Dwayne Brown this year? Yeah, it's like, it's, a, it's obviously like hard to quantify, but I think he'll be somewhere in like the, you know, the like 21 to like 25th best tackles in the league, maybe a little bit higher, Um, you know, maybe 18th, 19th, 20th at, at his peak. And I think that's like, I think that's a, if that's your worst starter on the offensive line, um, that's not the biggest deal in the world. Like, that's okay if, if you have a guy who's slightly below average or below average as your starting tackle. So um, it, and it's, and it's hard to kind of imagine exactly how much it was affecting him. Uh, I could say that I could barely lift my arm when I, when I tore my, my labrum, which is obviously close to your rotator cuff. So, you know, the, slight, the, the slightest differences in like elite athlete's performance could be the difference between – you know, a sack and him completely stonewalling guys that, you know, that slight hesitation in the shoulder or maybe not putting as much into a block or something like that. So um, how much was it really affecting him? It's, it's something that we won't really ever be able to know. Um, but I think he'll be slightly below average, which I think is fine. I think Lakin's going to bounce back at least slightly, right? He can't be as bad as he was last year. McGovern, I think we've been pretty steadfast in saying he's about an average-ish center, which how Schweitzer gets more money than him in the open market is, is just baffling to me. I have no idea how that stuff happens. You have ABT, who I think is an All-Pro, and I think Beckton, if he's a, if you're if he's just starting right tackle all year, I think he's you know he's he's going to be well off. Like he's going to be an above-average right tackle. The problem is if you had to bet on him, Nania, and I don't want to like spin this into negative because I know it's going to take probably more of a negative spin. But even if you know Beckton continues to progress and he's seeing some tackle, you know, some reps at right tackle, and he plays, you know, 
25, 30 reps in the next two preseason games and it's all looking good, like how much are you realistically expecting from him this year? Like an over or under if you had to of, of games play for Beckton at right tackle. And and with all this like t- stuff we're talking about, like we're talking about the most ideal lineup. And then we're going to talk about like going and getting guys in trade. It's not only like, okay, yeah, this is the ideal lineup. But then also with that, again, you have – uh, AVT, who's been out a couple of practices, is it something to be concerned about? Probably not. But then Lakin's out for a couple of practices. Is it something to be concerned about? Probably not. But you still have Brown out. You still have Beckton fighting the knee things. Like there's a lot of questionable um, things going on with the offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it, it is hard to feel confident that you're going to get a lot of games out of him because even in the rookie year, um, I mean, I forget how many games he officially played, but out of the ones he did play, he left in the majority of, the, of those games. He didn't. He doesn't have a lot of 100% on that 2020. If you mm-hmm. look at his snap counts that year. So even then, I pull it up right now. So he played 100% of the snaps in eight of those games. He played in 14, but he left for at least one snap in six of those. So he was always in and out of the field even back then. So it's just we don't have the evidence yet to say that we feel confident he could play even even four full games in a row. So like that's mm-hmm. why I would like to see him play the next two as many snaps as he can go uh, because I think it's worth it for him just to get that confidence as a team that we have seen you play a full game. So we feel like you can start a game because right now it's all just hypothetical. So I would like yeah. to see that, but um, I, if he was able to play, like, if he played 12 games, would you be happy with that at this point? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking 12. I think it's so. more than his rookie yeah. year. It's, you know, it's, it's more than his rookie year in, in terms of like him playing. If he plays hundred percent of those, of yeah. those reps, 12 so. full games, I think, you would be pretty happy with that. So with that being said, even in the best case scenario, we still have a guy who's going to play, you know, uh, let's just say half the season at this point. Do you think the jets are actually like exploring guys to add, or do you think like the, the you know, Salah kind of indicated something to like, Oh, like they have a trick up their, up their sleeve or whatever it may be. Um, do you think that trick is just back then at right tackle, ABT at right tackle, or do you think there's a possibility of them, and I know people are going to like this name, but trading for a freaking Kelvin Beecham or signing Dalton Risner, who, you know, is a, is a guard who's out there who's at least decent and moving ABT to right tackle in that scenario. And I've been pretty steadfast, and I don't want ABT to move to from guard to tackle because I want them to keep him at his best spot, which to me is guard, where he can be an all-pro. With that being said, we have Aaron fucking Rodgers, and we need to win a Super Bowl in the next year or two. So if we have to move him to tackle for – you know, a, a year or two, and it's going to hurt his guard development a little bit, but we win a Super Bowl. I'm not going to give too much of a shit. I don't think anybody in here will. But realistically, do you see them potentially making a move if it continues as it is, or maybe there's a, you know, a downward trend where Beckton can't play right tackle or something like that? Yeah, it's tough to see like what their desperation level is in terms of looking for an outside solution, because I thought for the longest time it wasn't really on the table, but it does feel like they've gotten pretty openly concerned with it the past couple of weeks whether it's you know what we've seen on hard knocks some of the comments in the media which are you know more subtle than hard knocks obviously but it's still mm-hmm. notable when sal is saying you know we need more consistency from the tackles or when rogers is saying that or sal is saying it so um it does feel like the desperation level is rising a little bit but i think they also like the fact that beckton's practicing a right tackle that Salah said he's open to avt moving to right tackle these are already two things that didn't feel like we ever were going to hear them say because it all all off season it was AVT's at guard we're not going to move him Beckton's at left tackle so just the fact that we're seeing these things already kind of feels like that's them going outside of the zone they wanted to initially so so I don't know I mean what what do you think like if you were to put a chance on it let's say 
like things continue progressing as they are. There's not anything crazy that happens that makes you more hopeful with the current options. Like what percentage would you put it that they sign or trade for someone? Uh, yeah, I don't, I, the first numbers that came to mind is like 15, 20%, maybe like, like, like lesser chances. I was, was going to go higher. I would say like 50, 50. Oh, really? Maybe, would wow. I put it, I mean, is maybe that's kind of high, but I mean, I don't think it's yeah. like close to guaranteed or anything, but I could see it on the table. Like if, you know, Becton doesn't get to show significant mm-hmm. durability, like log those preseason snaps, play great at right tackle. Uh, maybe there's more nagging stuff with ABT and Tomlinson. Brown doesn't get back. You have all this stuff going on. Turner Mitchell don't play better. Like I, I could see it, but I just don't feel like it's a super high chance because for whatever reason, they do feel like it does feel like they really want to make it work with what they have. Well, if what you were just saying happens, if Lakin Thomas is still battling, battling some nagging injuries for the next couple of days or weeks or whatever, ABT, same thing, Brown, same thing, then okay, maybe it greatens the chances. But I just like sometimes maybe they're a little bit too um like confident in their uh in their guys and like they'll be like oh, okay it's okay you know just just play right you know west whites are at right guard and that's so kind of sketchy to me so we'll see but i think them adding you know whether it be freaking you know Beecham or and like Beecham's gonna get shit but like he's an okay tackle and i think if, if i could tell you even slightly below average tackle if i can tell you whatever this you know scenario is minus abt playing at right tackle so if i'm gonna tell you abt's gonna play right tackle and you're gonna get below average play you know, you'd obviously be disappointed, but I told you, hey, ABT's at right guard. Our right tackle position is going to be a consistent player who's the 22nd best right tackle in the league right now. We pro- you'd probably take that, right? Yeah, for sure, because the the floor is just it's low right now. It, anytime yeah. Turner or Mitchell's in the mix to potentially play, if Becton's in the mix, just because of the durability, you know, which leads you to having a high chance of one of those other two guys playing, the floor is very low and that's risky for the type of season the jets are trying to have so if you can get a guy who you know there's no ceiling at all with a calvin beecham or any of those other guys you might trade for like james hurst from the saints is a guy i mentioned who's you know veteran guy solid has started you know it's not a lot of potential or anything special about him but he's a you know like you said 22nd or best or better something around that you know you know you're getting not awful which is i think does have value for this team now, and I don't know. I'm going to lump this into something else really quick. Just, just really quick. But uh, with with that offensive line, it's a little bit sketchy because, and I, I think the best case scenario for the offensive line is obviously Beckton comes back, uh, back plays right tackle and freaking dominates. Because even if you look at like Risner, like let's say they do add a, add a Risner, you have what left tackles below average, right? So it's you know below average, uh, which isn't a bad, the worst thing. It's not terrible. Below average left tackle. You have a what is what is Lakey Tomlinson going to be? We're we're going to hope he's going to be average. But Hopefully, average, he was yeah. he was terrible last year. So let's yeah. let's let's find a middle ground below average this year, but a little bit better. McGovern, average. The right guard and Risner would be average, and your right tackle would be ABT, and he would be plus. So is that enough? Like below average, below average, average, uh, average plus average with the weapons they have in Rodgers. Like is that good enough to get it done for for a Super Bowl for the Jets? Do you think? I think it is. I just think what's important is not having the weak link in there because like with offensive line, I really believe that the weakest link is more important than like how good the talent is combined. Because if you have a, like if you could have four elite guys, but if your left tackle is terrible, you could throw Von Miller over there all day and he can dominate and change the game. And, you know, you could help him with the tight end or whatever, but then you're opening up another problem where you got to keep a guy in the block instead of being a, receiving threat so 
I think the weakest link on your O-line is important. So if they have a bunch of below average average guys in there, I think they can live off that. It's just being sure you don't have those huge holes in there. Like I, I think a Turner or Mitchell might be. So I think that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm hoping they, I'm definitely hoping they can, they can figure it out. But with, with all that being said too, we have Mitchell um, playing at left tackle, which is a little bit interesting because he's only really played right tackle, but I think they're hoping that Mitchell can be the backup swing. Uh, I don't think they like what they've seen from Turner at left tackle and past that, you know, Warren was out last game. I'm not sure if he's injured, but I think they're going to hope that, that Mitchell could be the left tackle, it, it, you know, in case of emergency break glass scenario. But with it all being said, to wrap it up before we get back into the chat and we get into the Panthers game, all that stuff. Um, do you blame Joe Douglas, you know, where, for where we are right now? Do you think he should have attacked it more aggressively because you have people who say, you know, he's poured a lot of resources into it, which he has. You know, he signed Fant to a bigger contract, McGovern to a bigger contract. He tried with Khalil. He tried with Becton. He traded up for ABT. You know, he tried with Lake and Tomlinson. So he's poured assets into it. But at the end of the day, going into the offseason, our right tackle spot was not really filled, right? You had Becton, right. who, who was a huge question, huge question mark regardless. He was going to be a huge question mark coming into the season. You had Mitchell, who played a few games and was okay relative to expectations, but still for a starter was bad. And past that, alarm going off again, which I can't hear anymore. Um, uh, past that, we didn't really add anybody minus, you know, Carter Warren, who was, a, who was a left tackle. I understand he tried to sign Orlando Brown and maybe some other things, but do you, do you blame him for where we're at at this, at this spot? Like, is this a mark on his, on his resume? So I see it both ways. I mean, I do understand that, like, prior to this offseason, he's put in a lot to the offensive line, maybe even more than any other team. I, I forget where they ranked in terms of the uh, – cap allocated to the o-line last year and going into this year but but it was up there and you know you had a first round pick in beckton a first round pick you traded up for an avt big free agent signing tomlinson uh, mcgovern and fan were pretty big and so these put a lot of effort into it over the past few years but i don't think that means you should stop going into this year because some of those investments didn't work out beckton didn't work out and yes he's still here and we hope it could pan out and everything, but like, this is what I said to you. Um, you know, when I was talking to you recently. I think you mentioned it in the last stream, but like last year when that happened, we were saying how, when the jets go into this off season, they should treat Becton as if, you know, he's not a part of the plan, almost essentially as if he's not there and whatever you get from him is gravy, but they didn't do that. It should have been treated as if, you know, you need at least one starter, if not two, this off season, that's a necessity. And they didn't really treat it that way. So I, I do get that. He, put a lot into it the past few years. So he has put in the effort overall in his tenure, but I think going into this off season, you know, Becton's injury issues, plus the fact that, you know, Fant was going to be seen as a starter, then he fizzled out. And yes, they had Brown to go in there, but when they brought Brown in to visit initially, he was supposed to be the backup to those two guys. It's mm-hmm. just after he visited, Becton got hurt. Then Brown had the leverage to push up his offer. And then he was starting. So he wasn't, I don't think you should have seen him as a solution either. So uh, I think despite the effort that Douglas had put in, some of the moves just didn't work out and there needed to be more effort regardless, because I, I don't think you could just say like, we tried, you know, we're good. We got to invest in other positions. Some of it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I think they should have went back into it. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, like, listen, I, I agree with, I would say 85 to 90% of what Douglas does, but with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, 39, not as mobile anymore. If you're going for the Super Bowl, you know, I don't think you can rely on a guy who's been out for two years and a, a you know, a rookie last year who was okay. Like, that's not enough for me. So 
with acknowledging that I like a lot of what he does. I think there should have been something done and maybe there is still something done. Maybe that is Risner and then, you know, ABT moves out or maybe that's trading for somebody, whatever it may be. But, you know, going into a season or going to this season where you're assuming Beckton's not going to be healthy the entire year is Max Mitchell. Does that, does that give you warm and fuzzies? It does not give me warm and fuzzies. Uh, it just, it just doesn't. And I know he's been maybe improving in practice, you know, and, and even the Panthers game to the Browns game, he's improved, but it's still not enough for me to feel warm and fuzzy about him. So uh, we'll move on though. We'll move on. Uh, Daniel Murphy's asking a question about Cook. We'll get into Cook in a little bit again, just as it comes uh, back then a right tackle. Hopefully he does well. <laughs> uh, Cook pass pro is worse than Michael than Michael Carter, uh, and he stinks at pass pro. Um, yeah, that's a question that actually I think Rivka brought to me recently in terms of just all the, the – and again, we're not going to get into all the whole Cook thing. Cook obviously struggles in pass pro. We know that. I could show plenty of plays with him being pretty bad in pass production. It's bad. With that being said, I do think when he's fully engaged – um, and interested in blocking. He's a little bit better than his numbers may indicate, but there are some times he just looked disinterested. So maybe for Rodgers, you know, he he would be more interested. But then with that being said, like, why not be interested with Kirk Cousins last year? And they're like 10 and three right. or whatever they were at certain points. So a little bit of a concern. Michael Carter's not the best in it. He's just, he's just really small. Izzy's not the best in it either. Um, Brees is probably your best, but they get a, they're getting a little bit one-dimensional um, and they don't necessarily have a power back. So do you see Brees as like being like that third down back Um primarily nobody else can really do it um and then past that like okay it's it's third and one you have to run iso up the middle do you think that's michael carter is that is that his role do you think he's the best in that scenario because um you know michael carter i mean i'm not michael carter uh izzy's not the best in those scenarios dalvin cooks he, he he's definitely not the best in the goal line uh, he's good at other things but his feet stall on contact so he's not good at that you know Brees is okay but like where where are we at in pass pro in terms of the running backs um, and then, you know, short yardage situations without obviously delving in too, too far to, to Dalvin Cook. I mean, I definitely feel like that's a concern because like, you know, as Mr. Bonesy mentions, like Carter is, he struggled a lot in pass protection already. So you, you already have him that you're concerned about. Now you add in Cook. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm optimistic about Hall. He didn't get a ton of reps last year, but when he did, I thought he was pretty good. His size is good. thought he was willing, uh, weren't many mistakes with him when he had opportunity. So I'm optimistic about him. I'm also optimistic about Knight if he's in there, but Izzy also is someone that you're concerned about with the blocking. So, uh, so they have some guys in there and I think it is something to worry about because we know with Rogers, he's going to be active pre-snap. He's going to bring guys in to protect. If he sees a blitz is going to come. I think, you know, everyone has to be ready to block if they need to. So it's, it is important at running back and they do have some guys in there who struggle with it. So I think it's, minorly concerning but i think short yardage i mean i I do think Brees is a good option in those scenarios it wasn't always successful last year but you know he did have the goal line touchdown against pittsburgh to win it that was a really good play um and and i think you know if you remember 2021 like you would say this a lot that carter was you know he's kind of an underrated power guy even though you know you wouldn't think it based on his size you know the fact that he's uh he, he does have better power in the hole than I think you would real when he's playing well, when you have that 2021 Carter. So I think he could, you know, be in the mix in those situations. So, so those are some, I think, fair concerns. You know what? Fuck it, Nania. Let's do it now. Cook. Let's do it. Um, Yeah. Just cause it's, it's going to come up a bunch in the, in the chat. So yeah. with, so with me, okay. So one year, I'm not sure if this is confirmed yet. $7 million base, right. Um, up to $8.6 million in incentives. And I don't know all of them. I don't know if you have all the numbers. So I yeah. believe it's 400,000 for 1,250, uh, uh, 1250 rushing yards and another 400 if he has 15 that are 1500 scrimmage, scrimmage yards. I'm not sure the other numbers or if you have them with that being said, 
Is that an overpay? Plainly. 1,000%, it's an overpay. Okay, next topic. Are we a better team with Cook today than we were two days ago? Probably. I'm not going to say 1,000%. Probably. Most likely. They added a good player or, 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 or a decent player who, who, who may or may not improve the team. Let's just say he does. Let's go, let's go on, that, on that avenue. Um, with it being an overpay, as long as it doesn't prohibit them from doing any, any, anything else this season, then it won't be frustrating. But now if this comes between them and signing a Dalton Risner or something like that because they gave Cook too much money, I will be frustrated because it's an overpay. But at the end of the day, again, it's a one-year deal. If you're not planning on doing anything else, it is what it is. Um, but overall, and, and we'll get into like maybe the little nitty-gritty stuff about, this, uh, about the signing. But initially, your thoughts on the numbers. We'll get into the negatives, the positives. You know, People who just absolutely destroy you on Twitter because they can type in you know stats. Okay, 1,100 yards, whatever it was. Look, he got this last year. That means he's really, really good. Uh, so just baseline, what are your initial thoughts on, on signing him? Obviously, as a person who was not uh, a, yeah. a fan of, of doing that. Well, look, I think first of all, I want to be clear, like I'm rooting for him. I don't care about backing up my opinions or being right or any of that. Cause like I've, I've been wrong plenty of times. Like, we don't have to talk about a hundred reasons to believe in Sam Darnold anymore. So there, there are plenty, plenty of things like that out there. I doesn't matter to me as long as I have like a good process of coming to my opinions, like how I get there. I, I'm okay with the result after that. So I'm rooting for him. Main priority is wanting the Jets to win. Don't care about being right. I hope that he has a great season and we could retweet all my old stuff and say like, wow, what is wrong with you? Hopefully we can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, um, it, when I saw the number at first, it definitely shocked me. And like, that was probably the tweet that got the worst ratio it was a pretty bad <laughs> ratio. It was something like 180 replies, like 200 Ooh. likes pretty bad. So, yeah, that's rough. Uh, that's rough. but yeah, like I saw that number and I was like, wow, that's pretty high. I was thinking more like five or six or something like that i know elliot got six shortly before that uh, so that's it was definitely high. too right that's yeah that's, that's crazy. you know because like i'll criticize cook but give me him over zeke he has he has no juice left unless he's playing center i think he's pretty good there but <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah it was high at first but i do understand like look aaron Rodgers just took a pay giant pay cut they mm-hmm. have money to play with i'm sure he wanted you know advocated for cook or he wouldn't be brought in here so so I, I get all that, but at the same time, I do think, you know, it's not like you're just playing with house money, you know, like later, what if you want to trade for Devonte Adams or Bakhtiari or make a big trade like this? And also the cap space you don't use rolls over into the next season. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's, you know, totally free monopoly money that you're playing with. I do think it does matter a little bit, but at the same time, I get it. Like one year deal, Super Bowl, all in season, fine. I'm, I'm not too mad about the number not not ideal for me but um not too mad but i still just want to see you know is he going to make the jets better and i know that sounds like a ridiculous thing to propose but i think most likely he does but just considering some of the concerns i think Mm -hmm. there are questions to answer we have to see it play out first before we can say he definitively makes the jets a better team because you look at the vikings last year and you could point out the total rushing yards and the fantasy stats and everything you want but the Vikings rushing rushing attack was still pretty low ranked in all of the numbers that matter. I think they were 28th in DVOA for rushing or uh, somewhere around there. Um, Cook's most of his efficiency numbers were pretty low. And that's despite the fact that he faced the lowest rate of loaded boxes because they had Justin Jefferson taking all that pressure. They had a good quarterback with Kirk Cousins. Uh, their O-line was 
ranked from average to good in most categories. But despite that, he was stuffed at one of the highest rates in the league. He had one of the worst short yardage success rates in the league. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of red flags with mm-hmm. him that I think people are just kind of glossing over because like I've heard of Dalvin Cook. That's awesome. That yeah, a star wants to come here. So mm-hmm. there, there's definitely plenty of positives that you know we'll, we'll get into that I acknowledge and that make me optimistic that this can't work. But at the same time, I think it's a little mm-hmm. blind to just say like, you know, we got superstar. The Jets are a better team now because there are legitimate concerns based on last year that I think are worth noting. So hopefully he answers those questions. But there there are some red flags there that, you know, if you went to the Dolphins or the Patriots or something, I think fans would be willing to say, you know, this guy's not good. I'm not scared of you going to that team, but because he's on the Jets now, you know, the Jets got a superstar. So I hope he plays like that. Shaq and, you know, you get Shaq and Kobe with Brees and, and Cook. I've seen people suggest that. Hopefully it goes that way and it does have the potential to do that. But, you know, there, there are some concerns that I think kind of get brushed aside. Yeah, it, one, it is nice to see Dolphins fans who were saying the Jets fans are idiots. That is nice. That, that, is, that, that, is, that is definitely nice. Yeah. I'm generally curious to see what their offer was just because of the difference in taxes and things like that, which I bring up all the time, which is complete bullshit. But um, yeah, it's definitely nice to see them cry. And with that being said, just like you acknowledged, like now obviously we do like the you know the the analysis and you know I do film and all that stuff. So you kind of you have to put out stronger opinions when you do stuff like that, right? Because we don't just like to straddle the middle typically. Like we like to put our real opinions out there. So with that being said, like we'll we'll speak negatively about players if it's evident based on film or by stats. But with that being said, like I don't I don't ever sit there and like watch a guy get a touchdown. And I'm like oh shit, like you know whoever else got a touchdown and I don't and, you know Brownlee or or Bus on Austin gets a pick or whatever it is. Like I'm not going to root against them. Like it's always right. the Jets yeah. winning first and foremost. Um, but with that being said, yeah, like with. With Cook, it's just, and I get why it's frustrating for you because regardless if people want to acknowledge this or not, um, it's just it's just a fact of the matter, or it's a fact in my opinion that like nine out of ten people are, think like this. Like if you were to change his 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 name to Josh Smith, not the Josh Smith who played for the Hawks, just Josh Smith is the first thing I thought of, and you presented them the argument, they would they would approach it completely differently. But because they've heard the name Dalvin Cook, he's scored a bunch of fantasy points, they're going to back him. So it's just it's just the name carries water in arguments, which is bullshit because again, based on the evidence presented, you know, you shouldn't think that he's necessarily Dalvin Cook. Like again, just evaluate what's presented to you. And you presented plenty of stuff. Listen, again, I I there's some things I'll advocate for him. There's some numbers that I think may be a little bit skewed. Like I, I see you've argued with some people like expect the yards per average or yeah. per, per carry. Um, I've seen the argument about the uh, broken tackles, which I agree with. Like there are some times where he doesn't necessarily have to break a tackle because he outruns a guy. Right, there are some sure. times where I think people could like see EPA. And I think no offense to the to stat nerds out there, the stat humpers, as I call them, which you are one of them, Nania. But again, with, with you have, you watch some film um, with, I think, so like, I think people will like pause a play and like not necessarily know the reads of the play and be like, Oh, he should have cut back here. Well, yeah, he had to look at his first two reads before he can get to that backside read. So how can you say, can, can he cut right now? So there are some times where I think those stats, those stats can be skewed. And there's also times with him where I think that he may outperform that EPA just because of how frequent, how freaking quickly he gets to some holes. So there are some holes that look like they're a lot more open than they are because of how quickly he hits them. But for the people talking about like, okay, he's a really good pass protector, uh, pass protector, he's terrible there. Catching, 
I think he has maybe more more his his drops look worse than they are because a lot of the drops that I personally watched in his last year was like when when you know a linebacker or when a safety was contacting him at the point where he was going to catch it. There was an easy drop or two or maybe even three or four, but I don't think his hands are as bad as they may indicate. But still, he's a liability in pass protection. So. The EPA thing, I'll question it just because of how quickly he gets to some holes where it looks open, but it's because like Dalvin Cook is hitting that. Whereas sometimes, um, you know, let's say it's like a Zonovan night, he might not be able to get that hole as quickly. So like, yeah, it might be expected, but for Cook because he's so quick. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Past that, yeah. the drop thing, yeah. I'm not so sure. Um, but yeah, the fumbles concern me. The pass protection concerns me, and he is boomer bust. You know, he's like he's like Izzy in that way. Sometimes not the same player. It, you know, he's more twitched up and quick, and Izzy's more long speed. Um, type of stuff. He's he's twitchy, you know, a little bit twitchy too. But um, he's a guy who can hit a home run too. So it's it's definitely interesting with the stats versus what you see on film. But with all all, all that being said, do I think he's prime Dalvin Cook? You know, fifteen hundred yards going to dominate with the Jets? I absolutely do not think that. So yeah, and those are like fair arguments with some of the stats too. Like I like what you were talking about is like those expectation metrics with like there will be rushing yards over expectation stuff like that, and they calculate it based on um, like player tracking, like what is the leverage of the blockers versus the defenders when they get the ball? And yeah. it's a good stat in theory, but if you look at specific plays and like some of the conclusions they get to, a lot of times it makes no sense. So I don't love the expectation stats because it, like, it's very presumptuous. You don't know the reads, things will change after they get the ball. Uh, and sometimes it'll say like, you should have got two yards in this play, but he gets touched two yards in the backfield. So it's, it's the right idea, but I don't think that stat is great. So, mm-hmm. so that that's a fair one. Um, some of the other stuff in terms of like broken tackles, that's another good point because cook's game is like very speed based. So he doesn't always have to make a guy miss, like juke a guy out, truck him, things like that to, to win the play and get those extra yards because he has that long speed. So I do think he suffers there and it doesn't necessarily mean he's playing worse. It's just that he gains his yards in a different way. So that's a fair one also. Um, but I think the main, some of the things that I saw from watching him, I don't know if you saw this, but like, I feel like he wasn't finishing as strong last year at no, the, like, like when he got tackled, like, I feel like it's, you know, wherever he gets met, like he's down right there. He doesn't get those two. There's three no, yards. there's yeah. There's no push. Yeah. There's no breaking arm tackles. There's times where like in short yardage situations, there's no leg turn at all. Like he just completely stalls out on contact. So once he got contacted, he's down. Right. And, and he does, he does lack some creativity in the open field. And that's something I criticize with Izzy a little bit. And obviously he had that spin move and stuff, but overall still just sometimes like moving laterally, he's not the most creative and same thing with cook and, and like cook, like people say he's, he's like really good at vision. His vision is super spotty. Sometimes like there's sometimes where he'll, he'll hit, a, you know, he'll hit a hole. He'll press, you know, the opposite gap, you know, to move a linebacker, then hit the hole, really good vision, really good awareness, all that stuff. But then there's times like he's cutting into his own offensive line and he's cutting into tackles He's completely missing cutbacks. So he is very, very just spotty. And even with like the, the past, the, the, the stuff in the past game, I know I'm kind of going off topic here a little bit back to like the past game, but like, do you want him out there on third down? Because he might blow up, you know, he might get a lot routers blown up and his hands are kind of bad. But if you take his speed and you isolate him versus linebackers, like if you, if you take him on an angle route versus a linebacker, like watch out because and that's something I didn't really see a lot with him in with Minnesota was him getting isolated versus linebackers. And you saw that, the Jets split out, I think, Brees Hall today. Uh, maybe they have an idea of doing that with Cook. But versus man looks, there's not a lot of linebackers who can keep up with his twitch. So maybe that's something the Jets do explore. But he's just – he's so volatile. But go on with your point. I'm sorry to kind of uh, kidnap it there, hijack it. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that That kind of leads into some of the concerns I have because, like, you can talk about the stats all day, but I really did want to make sure to 
look at the stats and then turn to the film and say, okay, is this validated? And then in addition to that, which parts of this are on him, which parts are on the surroundings? Because running back is a very dependent position. Mm. Like there are so many other things that affect the numbers they put out versus, I mean, every position in football is like that, but that's probably the top position because, you know, it's so O-line dependent. So I saw some of these numbers, like he had the third highest rate of stuffed runs last year that went for zero yards or less. Uh, his short yardage was the second worst in terms of one yard to go. So, you know, I saw that as like, is this on him? Is it the O-line? And I watched some of it and I'm like, a lot of this is on him, whether it's the vision, like you mentioned, or mm-hmm. just the lack of finishing power that he had last year. Uh, there, there were a lot of those stuffs and failed short yardage that did look like it was on him. And I did put some of those examples in film clips and uh, some of the cook articles that I did. Uh, so, uh, so th- there are some concerns. I think it, it's fair to say that, you know, it's not guaranteed he's going to make the jets better. He absolutely could. And you know, we can get into the positive positives right now if you want, but um, no, I, yeah, I don't think it's a hundred percent because we, we've ahead. done some criticizing, but there, there are some things I am optimistic about. Go ahead. God, yeah, I, 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 mean, I talked about the quickness. Like yeah. he has, he has elite twitch. His his like lateral pop. His his ability to just keep his footwork really, really reduced and 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 you know react on the drop of a dime is really, really nice. His acceleration is top notch. Um, his ability to hit holes with speed is is top notch. I would say his long speed's solid, not top notch, but but still pretty good. Um, so there's still some good there. And I, like I said, I, I think he wasn't taken advantage of in terms of his ability as a route runner. Um, not, not, not necessarily saying like, oh, he's, he runs really yeah. clean routes, but just his twitch, like even if he runs them with bad technique is, could still be really, really good. So he's a home run hitter, you know, I think like, and, and some other things I said, so I think that he, there could be a scenario where he bounces back and with a reduced role with, you know, 10, 15 carries in some games, or maybe, maybe some more, maybe some less that, you know, he could find his own, his old kind of ways and maybe break some more tackles, you know, one-on-one situations, break some more arm tackles, fall forward. Because at the end of the day, like, this is what we talked about with Dwayne Brown and maybe Michael Carter last year, because to me, he just seemed injured. Like, and yeah, at the end of the day, okay, if you're put on the pads, you know, you know, just, just go out there and play hundred percent. Sure. That's easy to say. And again, this is me more taking like the green, go- or put on green goggles here. It's like, how much yards per carry are you going to expect for a guy who, well, he does run high, but is he running high and not putting his shoulder down because he hurt his shoulder? Like how many guys are you going to truck and fall forward if you're, if you're, if your shoulder's hurting? So there, that's a question there as well. If you're going to be more pro cook. Um, but I've, I've talked about quite a bit of his positives and what I see, Nani. And obviously, you know, you're the devil, you're the guy, with the red lasers, yeah. you're an asshole, all this stuff, you know, nothing, you know, you're a nerd mom's basement, all this stuff, all the stuff you've heard on Twitter. So, uh, give me the positives. You need to avoid some of those people, you know, give them some, uh, some, some happy thoughts about Dalvin Cook. Well, I think, like you said, the home run potential is really intriguing. I think he still has as much home run potential as anyone in the league. And especially right up there with the guy he's joining in the backfield, with Brees, I think between those two guys, there's, there's like, I wouldn't put it up and immediately because of the concerns we said, I wouldn't immediately say best backfield duo in the league again, could be, but let's see it first. I, I just want to see it first. But what I will say definitively is I think it's the most explosive duo in the league, the top end speed and ability to hit those home run plays between two guys. I don't think anyone else can match that because even last year in a, year where there were some concerns that he was still doing that and at an elite level i think next gen stats had him at the third highest max speed reached by any running back last year which he hit on that uh the bills touchdown which was 81 yards i think uh, and then Brees was second uh kenneth walker was first but you have two of the top three guys in terms of speed for running backs last year just pure raw speed so 
that is a huge plus. And, and adding Eddie to, uh, Izzy to that. Too. And adding him to that will, could definitely be a candidate to be at the top of lists like that. So the, the speed is off the charts. Um, and the breakaway uh, production that he had last year was still really good. Uh, if you look at if you look at the average yards he gained on 15 plus yards, 15 plus yard runs last year, it was the highest of any qualified running back, which tells you that, you know, once he gets that lane to get to the third level of the defense, he's going to get further than almost any other running back will. He's not going to get caught up to as often and he can get those, you know, one drive, one play drive type of finishes. So the home run play is still great. Um, he's good in the screen game. Uh, three of the past four years, he was top four among running backs in yards per reception on screen. So like that just plays into, I know you're talking about routes too, but I think on screens, you can maximize that as well. We saw and it in offense, the, uh, we'll do, it will hit that. So yeah, plenty we'll of those like, running backs, plenty of running back targets with Hackett and Rogers and green Bay. So that's yeah. going to be there. So that's definitely something that could be maximized. Um, like you look at that Colts play where they, you know, it was a big part of the comeback in the second half. It's like 64 yards, I think. Uh, so he brings that to the table. I think that's good. Um, and then another thing I found when I was researching him is I think he fits what they brought him in for, which is, you know, why do we bring in Dalvin Cook is because Brees Hall, like we want to be patient with his recovery. And it looks like he's going to play now. I mean, he's already in 11 on yeah. 11s, but you know, you still want to ease him in and just not, you know, force him immediately to be the bell cow. And you want to see how long does it take him to get back to being 100%. And I think Cook is a good guy to do that because if you look at his career trends, he's a very consistent uh, tendency to have plays best in September and gradually get a little less efficient each month as the season goes on until he really falls off in January. He has a tendency to do. So I think that makes him a good fit. If he's going to play his best early in the year, that's what you want from him because we want to ease Brees back in, hopefully mid-season you can get him back to hundred percent. He looks like the breeze of old and, you know, early in the season, you could rely on cook to run him into the ground, get him while he's at his peak before he runs out of gas. Uh, and then, you know, pass the torch to breeze in the middle of the year. So that's what yeah. he's done throughout his career. Start really fast, gradual decline. So I think that's a great fit for having that next to breeze, a guy who you want to ease back. So, so there are some positives for sure. And, and also I think on top of anything, it's just the fact that for the first time in his career, He's not the guy in the backfield. He's yeah. going to have a smaller volume of touches and snaps and carries just much less of a load so that now he that could potentially help him extend his career because, you know, would the decline continue if he continues being the guy in the backfield? Yeah. Probably. I think that's pretty likely, but you get the carries down. Now he can maybe get some of that juice back that he would be missing versus when he was, you know, the number one guy for Minnesota every single year. So uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot to be optimistic about. I think this can work out. I'm hoping it does. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, now that he's here, I'm going to be rooting very hard for it. And and maybe with the whole like September stat where he's better earlier in seasons, maybe that you know kind of extends throughout the throughout later in the season because he's not taking as many carries, you know, consistently. Right. But you know, listen, I I knew I knew if there was a way to get you to say 100 positive things about Sam Darnold or 100 reasons to believe you could say some positive things about Dalvin Cook, so. Yeah. So there you go. Maybe maybe I gotta maybe I gotta clip that and put that on on Twitter for people. You talking positively about about uh, about Dalvin Cook? Thirty three is a great so. number too. I think that's a I think that's an upgrade over four for him. I like thirty three. Yeah, better. yeah. It's, it was uh, I, I was like I was like thinking about the number thing. I was like, oh, you know, that's that's Crockett number. Like, I wonder what he's gonna wear or whatever. Like in the back of my mind, it was like they released him. I didn't even give him a chance. Just just goodbye, thirty three. <laughs> so uh, now with this, Donius. So we're talking about kind of Cook and all that. 
Uh, we have Buffalo Jet fan who I appreciate the super chat says, Michael, if you could only save your firstborn <laughs> or Bam Knight, what would you and Bam talk about? Talk about after. So we appreciate that. Obviously, the, the Buffalo Jets are like the, the king of one liners and stuff like that on Twitter right now. Uh, him and like Matt, I think anyway, Jay Matt are like the guys you look for for, for yeah. comments. But uh, uh, in terms in terms of that, with Carter seemingly being a little bit under, or he like last year he seemed like he was rubbing the coaching staff the wrong way, or the coaching staff rubbed him, you know, the wrong way, whatever, whatever exactly it was. Um, but now he's yeah, and he admitted in an interview like if he, if Dalvin Cook was traded for in the past, like he might not have asked to speak um, at a press conference. And he says he's done a little bit of growing up, and you know he seems like he's obviously a light guy in the locker room, breaking down the huddle, doing all that stuff. So it seems like Michael Carter is going to stay. Um, but like, do you think there's a chance where he's gone? Maybe because they can get trade capital for him. Where Zion Knight, uh, he's probably not going to get traded for, but he's also probably a guy who's not going to fit on the practice squad or. Do they keep you know Carter and the night is cut? They try to stick him on the practice squad, which some people say he won't get picked up. I I legitimately think he would. I think watching his film last year and what he did in those games, obviously other people are going to watch it out there. I would take a chance on another as another team. So I, I think there's a very low chance he'd clear waivers. But who do you think's odd and out? Uh, well, well, first of all, I should answer Buffalo's question. What would I talk about with Bam Knight after my firstborn? Pass on that because we got to keep Bam Knight. Um, I, I think there are a few good topics you can go with. I mean, undrafted free agent making the team in his rookie year. I think there's some motivation to be gained. You know, how would he pull that off? What sort of advice could you give? So definitely would want to pick his brain on that. It could be inspirational. Um, in addition to that, I mean, he's a he's a North Carolina guy. I live in North there Carolina. You know. So maybe talk about his favorite restaurants and stuff. Did he ever actually watch I don't know <laughs> that that as well. So I mean, there, there's some good topics we could have, but um. Uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, in terms of who who would be the odd man out, I think I think it would be Bam because I just Carter has a draft pedigree, you know, which is an advantage because you know teams are going to favor the guys they drafted generally. Uh, it seems like he's a more prominent locker room presence, mm-hmm. uh, and and then also he had has the full season body work in in twenty one where he showed potential versus Knight, which admittedly you know it was only three games where he had that proven production so i think that also is an edge for carter so i i do think yeah. it's it's gonna be night unfortunately but where you know where i feel like he's gonna go if he leaves he seems like a patriot to me he seems like a like patriots a, running back patriots yeah patriots running back of like, kind of like a a gritty can contribute in the passing game a little bit you know not like a super flashy player that seems like a patriots running back to me that would hurt i i like i like a lot of what knight did last year and the hope yeah. is that maybe he he sneaks into the practice squad but uh daniel Mer- we'll, so we have to run to the chat and then we're going to the panthers game and then we're going to go with some other stuff uh really quickly we're going to run through the chat so i'm sorry if i'm going to skip any of your guys stuff i'll just read the stuff that sticks out um and i, I wanted to mention this in terms of a you know just me seeing that nani's art- article pop up i actually want to read it later but uh just read nani's article on Corey davis which you just put out today nani i believe um yeah, can't wait yeah. for cd to have a breakout season and i've been seeing some people like just in general talk about cd like he's going to be wide receiver three or wide receiver four, which to me is crazy. Like I could see an argument for saying CD will be wide receiver three in terms of targets because um, you have Alan Lazard there. Okay. I understand that to me, there's no world where if Corey Davis stays healthy, that, that Harbin or Cobb get even close to his targets. So to me, he's the second best wide receiver on the team pretty easily. Um, but would you put in that article and do you, you know, what do you think about his role? Do you think he's going to be, you know, Receiver two, three, four. How do you see it playing out? 
I think he is going to win that wide receiver two spot and establish himself over Lazar. That that's really what my article was kind of pitching. And I I think the reason mm-hmm. I believe that is I feel like Rogers compliments the things that Davis does well. And, and Rogers does most things well at the quarterback position. But um, you know, Davis, like I think what you like the most about him is his ability to win over the middle, use his size and some of those in-breaking routes and traffic, and then also his yak on those throws, which is something he's generally been pretty good at. Um, and it didn't get maximized a lot with Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White, all these quarterbacks. But if you look at Rodgers and some of his, again, like he's great at everything, but specifically looking at his in-breaking accuracy, he has the second best completion percentage over the past three years between crossers, slants, and ends. And those are the three things that Davis really feasted on back in that 2020 season with the Titans. So I think it's a really good match between strengths with the quarterback and receiver. And also I, I just compare him to Lazard and, and like, I know you're a, I'm not going to say you're a Lazard hater, but you're probably lower on him than most Jets fans. Um, his hands are just, it, it, all it is is his hands are some of the worst hands I've ever seen. That's all yeah. it is. His hands are yeah. just got awful. And if you think that, you know, you're going to watch Corey Davis and then people are coming in here and saying that Lazard is better and he has better hands. You are sorely mistaken. Lazard's hands are, right. are very, very bad, but. Right, and, and that's the thing that's concerning because he has high drop numbers, just sure. like Davis did the past couple of years. But the quarterbacking, that the quarterbacking influences drops because bad quarterbacks are going to throw more passes that are exactly. a little behind, a little high, exactly. and then you're going to get drop credit. But it's really like not a great throw. So if you're getting credit for a lot of drops and you've Aaron Rodgers, like it's yeah. pretty concerning. Versus Davis, like okay, like. He had a bunch of drops suddenly go up with Zach Wilson. But before that, in Tennessee, when he had decent quarterbacks, he was exactly. pretty decently low with the drops. Still had some, but he was decent. Um, so uh, you yeah, compare that, uh, and then like him and Lazard yeah. like put up the same numbers the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Lazard had Rodgers. He still has Rodgers. Davis had the worst quarterbacks. Now he has Rodgers. Exactly. So I'll, I'll take Davis. And I'm not saying this is every single drop, like because there are drops where where Lazard has to you know adjust his body and it's a tough catch. But there are drops where he's like wide open up in the middle and it's a drop. And then you have people criticizing Corey Davis. And I always bring up like that that play versus the Broncos, you know, and Zach Wilson's rookie year, where it's like a corner or whatever it wasn't out, and the receiver or the, the DB mugged him. And yeah, he technically got hands on it, but it'd been a very very good contested catch. So are all drops created equal? No. And like you said, you know, it's it's you have you know I, I think and. Credit Buffalo Jets fan for this. I think it's the, it's the he he's going to put it out on Twitter, but he put out a tweet of like McCole Hardman's Lazards and um, Cordy's stat lines without their names behind them, and it's like he's asking questions about drop percentages and stuff and the quarterbacks they played with. And you have basically kind of just indicated that you know you have Hardman and Lazard who have had worst hands with better quarterback play with better throws with better opportunities, all that stuff. So Corey Davis, yeah, his hands are not good. But he's a better he's a better catcher of the ball than both Hardman and and Lazard, and I'm excited to see him with Rodgers if he's going to be legitimately healthy. I think that Corey Davis could be a decent number two. Um, and you're looking at a guy who, when he was targeted a lot with the Tennessee Titans his last year, almost had a thousand yards with Ryan Tannehill. Now, what is he going to do with with you know uh, with Rodgers, especially? If they're double teaming, you know Wilson. I'm not. Expe- I'm not saying expect a thousand yards out of him, but he's kind of just like overlooked. Like he's gonna be a guy who's gonna get 300 yards for the Jets. Like I could easily see Corey Davis having seven, eight hundred yards for the Jets. You know, s- you know, six, seven touchdowns, something like that. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think he should be receiver two on this team uh, if healthy. So it'll be it'll be interesting to to see exactly uh, how that plays out. But Corey Davis to me is barred on the second best receiver. On this on this team, agreed. Um, yeah. So uh, Rob B says Cook finds more than he thought. 
but uh, then we can sign. Him. Yeah, maybe compact. That's that's true. That that, that can definitely that can definitely happen. That's 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 uh, unless they bring in like Devonta Adams or something like that. Uh, so, uh, Joe Michael X Factor content always bring it. We appreciate that. Nani is going to have some strong, some real strong mixed feelings on Cook whiffs uh, on a block and Rodgers gets crushed. It's he's just gonna smile. He's gonna I'm smile. gonna resist gonna the urge. I'm not gonna try to say like every time. He mm-hmm. fumbles or drops like, oh, I told you so. Just, I'll, I'll let the season yeah. play out, and then, then we'll see afterwards how, how yeah. it goes. While, while I scan the chat, something I want to mention just in terms of the – because we, we already mentioned the Dalvin Cook thing. Brees Hall was in uh, was in practice today, and he's making some cuts. I don't know if you saw the one doctor. He, like, quote tweeted it on there where he's basically saying, like, oh, this is a you know lateral cut off the same knee. It's looking really good for, for week one. He's making this cut already. So uh, positive news. You know, you have Cook who traded for him. We're all like, oh, shit, you know. Is this an indication that Brees may not be ready for week one or whatever it may be? Um, but Brees the next day is as activated, and maybe that's just like a you know, a, you know, kind of throwing him a bone there or whatever it may be. But then you see him in, in practice cutting, catching passes from Rodgers. He was split out and all that stuff. So great news surrounding uh, Brees Hall as well, which is awesome. Yeah, that was awesome to see. I, I, I'm not saying it's faster than I expected, but just the fact that he's out there in 11 on 11s already is pretty yeah. good. And, and no pads yet, so hopefully he – they will get out there once they do but um uh, yeah just the progress has been really smooth it's gone as hoped really throughout the entire process uh, i know they dropped the trailer for that uh breeze documentary that should be cool to watch um so yeah it, it's gone really well and it's hard to truly judge like does he look fast does he not look fast you mm-hmm. know without seeing him in a real game but you know as far as we can tell it does there's no visible visible indication that's like eh, i'm not 100 yeah. percent sure if he's back it, it looks as good as it can right now so we'll see how how it goes but to this point it's gone pretty seamless yeah yeah i'm excited i'm excited to watch exactly what he does because i think he could be legitimately be a top five running back uh in, in the league so so beckton is basically like jordan whitehead of ota i'm not sure what that means exactly uh what's up busted knuckles again i'm gonna run through some of these sorry if i skip at uh, skip on any of your uh comments uh beckton or right ta- uh beckton or abta right tackle no other option yeah i'm completely with you if it's not one of those scenarios, we're we're in, we're in trouble, Rivka. So I'm I'm a thousand percent with that. Uh, it was dumb not expecting Mitchell and Turner to be this bad because this is how they played previously. Thousand percent. Now, obviously, you're hoping for Mitchell to take steps up because rookie to second year to third year to fourth year to fifth year, you're going to improve. But I'm not banking on that in a Super Bowl season. If, if you get what I'm saying there. So and also just I'll, like the off season, like unfortunately he had to deal with the health issues and stuff that mm-hmm. you know could be affecting the fact that it doesn't seem like he's developing as much as you would hope. <laughs> <laughs> um sorry uh i i ben Blessing was in here he said fire fire alarm going off because that <laughs> shirt nani is wearing which is all says aaron i just don't see exactly what else it, it, it says there there you go <laughs> it was funny i was going to look for my um i guess I, I guess i donated it i don't really like burning stuff because you know there's somebody out there who needs it but uh nonetheless get me off the soapbox um I was looking for my Jamal Adams jersey today. I was just in a rock for 33. Uh-huh. So I'm like, duh, it's my, you know, it's my Dalvin Cook. Just grab a I, piece I, of paper and tape it on the back. I know, I don't. I, I, I already did I got mine with, too, uh, so I should do that. I did that already. I also with, have my uh, Elijah Moore, which I could change to Rodgers. I was going to do that, and then I bought like a $45 China one. And then I was also going to, I, I did the Pennington, I did Pennington uh, from Holmes, from, you know, putting taping on Holmes and putting Pennington back in the day, but. Let's keep running through. Uh, every team has a weakness. How concerning is that? Our, how concerning is it that our that O line is ours? Is it our weakness uh, weakest unit? Can the talent around be compensated for below average play? Um, yeah, like to a point. Like it's you know during the regular season, can you overcome below average play or bad play from the offensive line? Sure, 
But when it comes to beating the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, that's where my thoughts lie. Like, yeah, they can get through week week 12 with a bad offensive line. But realistically, and, and while nothing can truly be like Super Bowl or bust, like it's still Super Bowl or bust, right? Like that's what we're shooting for this year. That's, that's the realistic goal. So when I'm thinking about playing the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bills – Am I very concerned? Um, yes, right, right. Like it's, I, I think yeah. it, it should be addressed. At this point, it is, it is bad enough where you could be legitimately concerned because we could take all the positive. We can say, oh, this is going to turn out the right way. I can also say again, like you said before, Brown is 38, 39, about to be 40, whatever it is. You know, coming off of an injury, hasn't played a lot. Lakin was god awful last year. Is he god awful again? You know, McGovern. Okay, he's he's okay. ABT was injured. Beckton, what if he doesn't play? Max Mitchell was a bad starter last year, and he was in. Again, relative expectations, okay, but overall a bad starter. If all those guys are more trending towards negative, it's it's a very bad offensive line in that instance. Now, do I think all of those questions are going to turn negative? No, but could two or three of them? Yeah, and that's too much for me. So um, it could be a big enough problem where it could, it, it could take the season to me at, at this point. Because, listen, at the end of the day, if Max Mitchell's out there blocking Von Miller – or Max Crosby, or whoever it is, and he hits Rodgers in a bad spot, and Rodgers is injured, yeah, we're fucked. Like, it only takes one play to, to, to hurt Rodgers. Um, so I think it's a big enough concern where it's not something you just brush shut outside and say, oh, yeah, the, the town can overcome it. Yeah, agreed. It definitely it, – it's one of the worst positions to be bad at outside of quarterback, obviously, because, mm-hmm. you know, it affects the quarterback. And it could – you know, it, you know, quarterback's your greatest asset. O-line affects it the most, I think. So, yeah, it could definitely be a detriment. For sure, for sure. Uh, Rivka says, hi, Joe and Michael. Love watching you guys talk ball. We love, we love, well, I don't know if I've watched you talk ball. I've, I've read you t- type ball. So, articles are killing over there. Check out Rivka's stuff. Um, uh, and people are kind of saying, the, you know, and I saw a comment before, I forget who it was. I apologize. But, like, Beckton playing right tackle, like, that's not necessarily – ideal but i'm still taking beckton and him not playing right tackle in two years over max mitchell playing it like yeah. beckton has beckton played at a right at, you know at louisville and if you give him a month to adjust i think a month is a, is a good enough time if you're giving him a day or two okay you know like abt last year shitty spot but uh hey joe from he- jets mess 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 so i haven't seen him in a little bit but welcome back i don't know if you're retired for for the offseason but jonathan richter i say trade lake and mc and huff to dallas for Zach. they're not they're not going to take that um if they would take that sure jonathan richter i'm completely he did it, just but... resign right didn't he sign yeah he, he, finally? He, he just signed and lake and tomlinson is is a you know a last year a bad guard for a massive contract i'm not sure they're going to take that so but sure I, w- I would take it any day um talking jets with tico check out his channel boys how we doing doing, doing good obviously doing, doing pretty good uh waiting what three weeks we got through the cook segment so nani is doing better and he has some things to piece. talk about positively, so that's good. Even though we didn't like trap the chat, I'm kind of scrolling through at the timer. I think we're talking about Cook. I don't see, I don't see too much bad. So let's keep scrolling through. Uh, non Cooks, uh, Nat Cooks, Pasco is not worse than Michael Carter's. Um, I, I, it, I don't, I honestly don't know because like the thing is, again, when you watch so many reps, you legitimately forget. Um, is it is, is would you take Cook or Carter or in uh in pass? I know it's hard for you to say. Based on like what the numbers are with pressures and stuff, it is it is yeah. Carter. Based on what I've watched, I I would probably agree with that because I just I, I think Carter tries more than than Cook. I would say that I would say efforts more consistent, but just the size with Carter is definitely uh-huh. a big limitation. Now and 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 with that being said, like again, I can put up a there's. Trust me, there is plenty more bad of him in pass protection than good. But there is times where, like, I'm going to put up two plays of him back. And this is what my review actually ends on, which I'll do. I think I'm going to do it. I don't know if I'm going to do it, like, next week, the week after, whatever. Maybe I put in the dead time between 
the last preseason game and the opening game is when I'll do the quick review, but we'll see. But there is times where like when, when he's when he's interested in pass protection, he could and I start that one a little bit late, obviously, but he could be pretty good when he's fully engaged. And again, would he do that for Rodgers um, over, you know, a, a Cousins and why he didn't he do it for Cousins? If that's the reason, again, concerning, but there are good flashes of him doing it. But then there are times where he sees a guy, he almost sidesteps him and just throws his shoulder like he doesn't want to be there at all. So um, I'm hopeful that maybe he takes a little bit of a jump up with the Jets. I don't know if I'm, again, hoping for something that's not realistic. But uh, let's let's see. Um, August 29th will be interesting to see who becomes available at their cuts, which we'll talk about in a little bit, actually. Is Cook's contract structured in a way to make him tradable? Um, well, yeah, $7 million of its base, right? There's no bonuses. So I don't, I don't, maybe that's a, that's a question for Rivka. I'm assuming so, because I think if you trade him, you get rid of all $7 million, but why are they going to sign him and then, and then trade him? So I don't exactly know what's going to, why that happened, why that would happen. Nani and Blewett, best possible combo. Greetings from Austria. 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 Wow. Um, I was in, I was, I was in Austria. I'm like, it was, it's like right on the, right on the border. Yeah, I remember of you talking about that. I was listening to that stream. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it's like a, it's like a walking bridge with a uh, see-through bottom. So it's a kind of, it's kind of sketchy if you're afraid of fights, but uh, yeah, it was. And then I got some beers there, but yeah, I've been there at least. So greetings. I don't know what time it is there. I think I always forget if they're ahead or behind. I think they're ahead of us by like ahead, six right? hours. Yeah. I think six hours. I, I always forget, but um boys we lit uh all day 1 24 a.m over there right now so much appreciated yeah we, we appreciate you for sure okay running through again nania the cop i'm not nania the police i'm not sure exactly what, what the cop I'm sure that's is, you not me yeah i don't i don't know okay uh fumbles are up and down hard to quantify trends with it so sure but then there are also times where I'm seeing him carry a ball and it's loosey goosey. So like if I'm seeing your fumble numbers and okay, maybe it's a little bit, bit of like victim of circumstance, you're falling, it gets hit out. Okay, fine. But if I see you have high fumble numbers and I see you holding the ball without three points of contact, I'm going to question you. So I saw fumbles and I also saw a ball, uh, poor ball carriage. So I don't think it's a facade. How do his, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head, was it just a last year fumble problem for, for Cook or has it been? you know throughout his career. It, it is pretty me, it's, consistent it's, it's yeah career, yeah it because the last, last four years he's tied for the most he is 16 okay. over the last four years which you know he's touched the ball a lot but even on uh you know percentage of the touches that he's had when he's fumbled it i think he's six ties so mm-hmm. yeah he has it's a pretty long-standing thing uh njz says i think we should accept that running backs aren't that important anymore the league has been changing the rules to benefit passing it yeah 100 percent. i i don't know who you're speaking to exactly but out of the 22 starters, it is easily the 22nd most yeah. important position. Easily. Yeah. Like, there's not even a comparison to any other position. Like, it, it's not even close. There's nothing, right? There's absolutely nothing I would, I would uh, even consider taking uh, before or what, after running back, I guess, and, and all things being equal. So, let's keep running through. Um, this Michael Nania could drone on about really advanced – punting statistics for two hours and it would still be better shows <laughs> dude yeah and okay so let's 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 talk about that let's talk about yeah. that we'll, we'll get into we'll get into the, the rest of the, the panthers game and stuff i don't know if you could push a little bit past eight if not i'll i'll, I'll run solo because there's still I'm a little good. bit I'm, I'm here okay we're not gonna push too too past it but there's some things as long as my house doesn't the, catch on fire <laughs> we didn't even get to the panthers game yet so but but this is good um so the rookie show was absolute balls but hard knocks overall 
Um, what do you think? And I, I'm not here to like to shit on one judge drive. It is what it is. It's like two or three guys making it. They're okay. I think they've been falling off personally, and maybe it's because they can't necessarily shoot the same things that hard knocks are. Like they, they try to stay separate, but it just feels like they're doing a lot of slow motion stuff and trying to put music behind it, but behind things that aren't really exciting. So I don't really want to talk too much about one judge drive. It is what it is. I hope it seems like they're Brees documentary is going to be a, like it seems to me it, like it's going to be pretty good but hard knocks i'm assuming you you watched it yeah. and i know that you might have a bias towards one Death tribe because you did appear in it in that uh, that, yeah. that <laughs> second clip or whatever but would you would you think about I, I guess the whole hard knocks versus one Death drive thing and then hard knocks the first episode not not you don't think like, recap it like segment by segment for the first episode but overall your thoughts on hard knocks um so far and then specifically about this episode yeah, well, I mean, first of all, like the comparing it to One Jet's Drive thing, I I don't think it's a fair comparison because like there mm-hmm. there are things Hard Knocks can do that One Jet's Drive can't. It can't be uncensored, which is like the best part of Hard Knocks. Um, it can't be unbiased, and, and not that Hard Knocks has even been super critical so far, which is maybe yeah. one thing you could criticize is like not a lot of drama. Uh, mm-hmm. It can't be that like they have to pump up the team and promote it and everything like that. So it, it's completely different production. So I wouldn't compare them but with that being said i think you know hard knocks is the more entertaining product because of those things you know it's completely uncensored like you get access that like you're not getting with one jet's drive which is kind of odd considering it's a team project uh production mm-hmm. um yeah. so so i've really enjoyed hard knocks i will say though that i think you can kind of see like the limited access thing with the jets not wanting to show too much because this last episode i feel like there was there was a decent amount of filler, like the magic show, which was cool. But like, is that what I want to see on hard knocks you know, going into a football team behind the scenes? Not really. Uh, and then mm-hmm. also the, like the, when they got to the Panthers game at the end, I feel like it was kind of just highlights for like 10, 15 minutes. It was like, all right, we all watch this game. I kind of yeah. get it. And they would show yeah. like, I like that they focus on McDonald, but they were kind of showing the same reps over and over. And it just like, wasn't anything like super, super interesting. So I, I just feel like, like, it's been very fun. Like just anything they show is great because it's, you know, it's very raw. Like I said, it's uncensored. All that stuff is really cool. So it's always going to be fun, but I do feel like it kind of has been lacking on like, it's specifically this previous episode, like mm. real drama and like something like interesting stuff happening other than Salah's offensive line rant, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely been really good, like nine out of ten. Um, but I agree with you. I, I I want a little bit more like behind the scenes and just just little tiny things. Um, the Lions last year. I don't know if I watched all of it, but you have some core like stories. And I'm not necessarily saying I want to see this, but like you'll have a guy like and I'm not again saying uh, I want to see Tim Boyle, but like you'll have guys Tim Boyle and his wife and them trying to make the roster and them having to move their family and all that stuff. You get a little bit of that stuff or. You know, you got the thing last year with the UDFA, uh, or I don't know if it was a UDFA or a late round linebacker, was it Malcolm Rodriguez or whatever, like whole thing about him. You didn't really see a lot about that. Like, so I do want to see a little bit more into individual stories than we have, but overall amazing. Like it was yeah. still amazing. Right. And, and like, we know it's a hype piece too, or at least it's been a hype piece. The, the mind read thing, a little bit like weird to start off, but like amazing. I would like to know how that guy. Do you think it's real? That. I, I think it's a thing where it's 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 a guy who's like he's he's an expert in terms of like reading your facial expressions and like little twitches that you do when he says a certain number and how you're thinking. So I, I think it's possible that he thinks he's but doing. like um, I I can see that for like the jersey number thing with Carter, even the Rogers thing with the score Carter though stuff, that makes sense. But the score, goldfish, that's not real. The goldfish, yeah. How does he get it in there? I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know. But still pretty amazing. Um, the solid, this whole solid thing where he's talking about, like he's predicting fights, um, at, at the practice was pretty cool. And then you see Hardy got absolutely tall. I don't know. Was it TJ Luther or so? I don't know who it was, but 
Hardy like tried to block him. He got tossed, yeah. and he tried to run up and fight him. Got tossed again. He was on he was on the ground, flattened his back, didn't get back up. So that was a that was a cool one to see. You saw Clemens throwing haymakers, and then Garrett Wilson. You basically be like, y'all, like, I'm not fighting him. <laughs> so that was a that was a cool one. You had the um, Quinn Williams dominating at the Panthers practice. Uh, he said he had like ten sacks or whatever, and you could see him like walking up to Rogers and and kind of like telling him to go block to practice tape. And gets like a little bit embarrassed because he's talking himself up and figuring out that Rogers is is uh, is mic'd up. His like just his laugh is like, he, like how genuine he is. It's it's awesome to see Q. Um, which by the way, and, and then like he's talking about his wife and all this stuff. He's like shout out to Optimus Prime. I love Optimus Prime. Like he just he's just yeah. he's just so funny. And uh, by the way, you were at that Carolina practice. Did you did yeah. you were. You were on the defensive side, right? Because you saw the Tony Adams hit, I believe. So, did you did you notice Quinn Williams like shitting on their on their offensive line the entire day? Or well, I, I was actually more so watching the offense. But the Tony Adams uh, hit that was that was at the end when the offense moved on to the defensive field. Everyone was over gotcha. there. It was two gotcha. minutes, so I saw that. I was kind of like trying to watch both, but I was closer to the offense. But uh, mm-hmm. I was trying to see if I got onto Hard Knocks, but unfortunately, I didn't get into any <laughs> shots in the background. But I I did get into one jets drive when they show that tony adams that you could see me in the background yeah. like right there so i've now been in two one jets drive episodes technically so so that's there, cool yeah. but but yeah i mean from the little i did watch of the defense when i was there but it felt like every single time i was looking 95 was back there so to see that in hard knocks reflected is was pretty cool and it's nice to see like that side of q like i'm not saying like i, I you know it, whatever it is what it is but like he's such he's such like a nice and like humble guy and like so relaxed yeah. off the field but like to see him dominating guys and like i'm the fucking best like i'm him yeah. you know 10 sacks whatever like it's kind of cool to see and you see him like a- after one of the sacks he kind of like I don't know if he yells directly to, to Frank Reich, but he's kind of like right there. And he's like, I'm him, whatever. And then like the next scene is Salah saying like, hey, you rather have guys who are going to talk shit first and get shit talked to them or whatever, however, however exactly he says it. And kind of just plays into the aggressive mindset that the Jets want to have. So that was that was a good one. Um, the whole Rodgers like handoff scene I thought was pretty pretty good with them guessing the wrong stuff. Yeah. Zach Wilson being a, being a little bit kind of like little, maybe a little bit overconfident himself. I don't know. Uh, the whole grass thing was pretty cool. The uh, the snap thing, which he's not going to be able to do at MetLife, so yeah, could, could yeah, be exactly. disadvantage. I was thinking about that, like turf, and like, okay, how does how does that work exactly? But the whole yeah, the whole snap timing thing, and and how it's spun me maybe really think about Tip and how he's been struggling just to get it there. So how does that play out throughout the season? Um, we have a uh, what else did I write down? The Panthers practice leading to um, the the bug out on the offensive line by Sala. Um, I love the comments. Like he's like, I, I like the way he makes people think about things. Cause the whole silent tape thing, like that's important. Like if you're watching yourself back at tape that night, like, okay, I could have had this. I could have had that. I gave lack of effort there. Like, how do you want to think about yourself? So I thought that was an awesome one calling out the offensive line. Um, the comment, like saying it's time to wipe this thing. And we didn't do it was also another good one. He lists all the talent on offense, you know, te- you know, all these receivers, rookie of the year, defense of the year, all this stuff doesn't matter if we don't have, you know, the offensive line to, to hold their water basically. So uh, what do you think about the whole uh, solid freak out on the, on the offensive line and then the whole Rogers handoff uh, thing in terms of like them teaching their play fix, which something that we haven't necessarily mentioned a ton on the show, but something that Kyle brought up quite a bit in the last few years is how bad we were at play fix. Yeah. Um, so it was nice to kind of see that. That was, that, that was specifically for Kyle Smith. I've heard. Yeah. I love the solid rant. It was definitely cool to, because yeah. I feel like with Salah, like think back to when the Jets hired him. Before they hired him, he was known as that 49ers D coordinator who you always saw screaming in the middle of games and just mm-hmm. going berserk on the sidelines. And he does a little bit of that with the Jets, but I feel like from a in terms of his perception, he's really adopted, which is good, I think. Um, you know, a very positive pro player kind of 
you know, a guy who really has his head on his shoulders as the leader of the team. He's hasn't been bombastic or anything. So I I think it's, you know, raised some concern or not necessarily concern, but it's just, you know, as people on the outside who can't see in the building, you wonder like, you know, is he hard enough on the players? You know, is he too friendly? So to, to see hard knocks and be like, you know, he's the same Robert Sala who's just as energetic and as, as much fire in him as you thought you were getting when they hired him is, is great to see. Mm -hmm. And, And it's not that I doubted that, but it's just that, to be able to see it like, okay, like he's just as concerned with the zone line as we are. It's not like, you know, because the coach will speak to the media and they'll, they're always going to praise the players and say like, we believe in these and these exactly. guys are going to give them a chance, whatever, but yeah. they're never going to give you their real thoughts besides reading between the lines and trying to see like, okay, he didn't praise this guy that much. Like mm-hmm. you're never going to get the true thoughts. So to, to see that in hard knocks, that's the coolest part of it. And yeah, it's reassuring to know like, okay, like, there's a sense of urgency with this offensive line, just the same way that we on the outside have it. Yeah. And, and the thing about like his yelling too, like there's, there's different types of yelling to me. And I don't want to get like too much into this, but there's like misdirected yelling where it's just like angry, you know, nonsensical, just yelling out. Like, he has pur- he guys, does it whatever. purposefully. Has purpose yeah, to it. His yelling was more like, it was more purposeful. And he didn't like ever like raise his voice. for like, we we're screaming. It was like, no more just, Okay, I'm bringing it up a level and like calling out like almost their manhood, but it wasn't like just just indirect yelling for no reason. So I did like that. Um, the rookie show was an absolute dud. I have no yeah. idea what they were trying to do. Like I, I was kind of like, like not like nervous for them. I watched them coming. Like okay, like, hopefully hopefully it's good here. Like someone like there was one last year with the Lions where like was it Aiden Hutchinson who who sang a song or something like that and like got everybody. I think I remember that. Along. Yeah. So. I was I was interested to see it. Maybe like really Billy sucked. Jean or something. I forget. That might yeah. have been. There. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was Michael Jackson. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe it was uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Though I don't I don't know. But uh, after that, you have Mosey said like you're going to come back and do that. And I think Tipman said today that today was a rookie show. So we know next Hard Knocks, we're probably going to see the next showing of the rookie show. Uh, so that was that was a fun one. The preseason game highlights were were awesome. Uh, you know, you have Koontz who ran the wrong route. You can see Tim Boyle was like visibly frustrated with him, even though he got the touchdown. And then Rodgers mentioned it like multiple times. Like, yeah, good play. You caught a touchdown. But this is exactly what we talk about, like process versus results. Yeah. Process was god-awful. The result was a touchdown. So he'd be like, oh, praise. You got a touchdown this game. But, yeah, you got it all for running a wrong route. So how good was it really? It's a negative play to me. But PFF will grade it positively. Um, and watching it, it would be hard to know he ran the wrong route, obviously. But nonetheless, uh, that was that was something that was, you know, highlight of that game. And then just the McDonald feature and all that stuff. It see it. It seems like McDonald, and I don't want to say this too early, but he's on a good track right now, right? Like he started off pretty damn well. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying he's going to be a stud, but he did pretty well in the first game. The second game, even better, you know, playing well in the run, making noise in practice. So uh, I know it's more of a hype, you know, segment on McDonald overall, but uh, I think he's going to be legitimately good and, and he's been showing out so far. So, man, it's good to see how quickly he's kind of, you know, been able to come on these first couple of preseason games. It's just, you know, we had optimism about moving him outside and what that would do yeah. for him versus college film. And to see the immediate results, granted mm-hmm. it's preseason, but um, I mean, like he's winning in so many different ways already. He got the sack going around the corner. He's using that spin. So the fact that he's already got inside and outside threats that he could play off of one another yeah. is is huge. And, and if know, he builds up that speed to power yeah. too, and now he could spin you inside, beat you outside if you hesitate to the outside because yeah. of the spin inside, and now he could rush through your chest if he gains 10 more pounds. And like, again, something I've said a lot, he's 242. He's stronger than he than, than his weight indicates. So if he adds like just 10 pounds of muscle and he could bull rush you too, watch, watch out. 
Yeah, so I mean, right now you have Carl Lawson with you know some questions with his back injury. He's been out a little bit. Yeah. There was a video where you know he looked pretty stiff running in practice. So yeah, you know what upright, his deal right? is. So very upright. Yeah, he was like super upright. So like it, it was concerning. We'll see what's up with that. We don't want to be mm-hmm. presumptuous with it, but you know the fact that they have McDonald coming on so quickly gives you the confidence confidence that if they need him to step in early, play more snaps than anticipated. Mm-hmm he'll be ready. And that's the benefit of, of depth because guys are going to get hurt. Always happens. So that's why having too many weapons is never a bad thing. No, definitely not. So we'll run through the rest of the chat. We'll hit the Panthers game pretty quickly. Uh, record prediction. I, I have, um, what is it? 11 and six now. Uh, I don't know what you have. I think that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's that's usually where I kind of set in. Yeah. I, I, and I think that could be good enough to win the division. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, one dollar is base versus bonuses. Oh, okay. I thought it was seven million dollar base again. I'm not the contract guy. I just know it's seven million dollars basically guaranteed to him in 1.6 or whatever it is in, 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 uh, in the potential. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, incentives. RJ, do you guys think, uh, do you guys think Lakin didn't know the playbook last year? All those plays where it looked like his controller died plus. Yeah, like it, it wasn't, and obviously there was some one-on-one loss. No, there was a lot of one-on-one losses too. It wasn't, it wasn't just scheme, um, but there were definitely flub-ups in the scheme as well. So that could be a part of it. But he definitely lost his fair share of one-on-ones too. So I'm not gonna like purely base it or just you know, uh, just put it on that. I think that's, I think that's too easy. Uh, Hawk says Nanya, stop ducking the questions. People want to know is Ben Blessington actually Jets forever? Um, is he? I don't know, Kyle. I, 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 don't know I, I can't confirm or deny. I think that's up I for the people to find out. Do they have similar opinions? I don't know. People, I've seen Jets Forever talk about a lot in here. I think I've seen him on Ryan's or Green Bean stream, but I don't think he's a viewer of our of our uh, content. So it is what it is. Uh, Nani hates Cook off of the head. We, we had that whole discussion. <laughs> we had that whole discussion. So let's see. Um, Corey Davis on one jet drive. Yeah, Wendy Trump's that, okay. That's cool. okay. I'm I'm rooting for him. I I I definitely I definitely am. It's nice to see him with his daughter and, and all that stuff. Uh, off topic, but it looks like we might not be getting shit from that ministry. Yeah, um, I, I tweet out that I don't want to be like too negative on the guy, but it's their coach said something. He was asked about Mims. He's like, yeah, he's on the team right now, and it's like, okay, so we're probably not going to get that conditional pick. And this is the thing, and it's what I mentioned on Twitter. It's you could have a guy with all the physical characteristics in the world, but this game is ninety five percent mental, and you you're never going to know how a guy is going to react to bringing in an extra guy or to a playbook or how he is in meeting rooms or breaking down film or anything like that. So Mims flashes potential, but you know then one bad bad bout of salmon and maybe bringing in Keelan Cole just messed up his mindset. And now he's going to be a bad receiver forever. So like it, it's why it's so hard to 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 evaluate guys because we don't have the behind the scenes. And clearly Mims has all the talent, but I just think there's something not upstairs. I'm not saying like he's not a smart guy, but maybe him having to compete for, for maybe he, maybe he cowers under the, the spotlight, like having to step up. Maybe he's not one of those guys. I don't know what it is, but um, their coach coming out like them trading for him and saying, yeah, he's on the team. Like that's all I got. Yikes. Yeah. I, I mean, that was always a concern while he was here. I mean, from, yeah. I mean, the, the rookie year was promising when he got in there, there, there were injuries, but, we came away positive after the rookie year, but starting with that second year when the new staff came in and, you know, there were reports he wasn't picking it up and he was low in the depth chart. Like it, it really all just kind of built and became pretty clear. And, and then when he did play, you know, loads of penalties, concentration, concentration drops. 
Um, and, you know, just a lot of issues that had little to do with the physical talent, more to do with like fundamentals, stuff like that. It really kept stacking. So it's I don't think it's too su- surprising to see what's going on yeah. there. You know, it's, it, the physical talent is a lot in the NFL, but everyone in the league has it. So it's who can nail down the nuances that Look at, uh, those of people this- become great. What's his face? Uh, who's that running back who signed with us like in camp years ago? He's like Odell Beckham's cousin, or or whatever he was. And he's like yoked up, physical athlete, j- box jumps, all that stuff. And he sucked. Like it's just it, you know, it, I it, forget. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, I it's all it's all upstairs. Yeah. Josh says, uh, "I would love to give Indy a call for Braden Smith, uh, but he's their starting tackle, and they have Anthony Richardson who's starting. I don't think they would be yeah. looking to trade a guy. So I don't I don't think that's gonna happen." Um. With that being said, before we before we get back to the chat, once it builds up a little bit, uh, the Panthers game. Okay, obviously it's five days ago. People don't care anymore, but we'll run through it relatively quickly. 27-0, um, not playing. Rodgers didn't play. ABT, Cobb, Garrett, Wilson. Uh, who else was listed? Adams, Mike Carter, second, Hardy, Hall, Charles, Surratt, Quincy Williams, Mosley, Lawson, JFM, Odenigbo, Woods, Q did not play. And then also Warren and Clemens didn't play. Now, I don't know if you have any background information about what happened with Clemens and, and Warren not playing. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, I haven't seen that yet. No. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the Panthers game. Not, not They didn't play the Panthers game. Not in the Bucs game. No, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why they didn't play. I mean, did, did oh, okay. you see any news on that? I, I may have missed it, but no, no, as far yeah, as I know, it, I'm it, not just, sure. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Warren struggled with game one. I want to see him bounce back. And then, I, again, I'm not gonna try this is a this is a region you really don't want to step into michael because you're definitely gonna get criticized especially after cook so maybe you don't have to say anything but i want to see more out of clemens um game one i was not i didn't see if again he said i don't i want to show them they got a fucking monster i didn't see i i didn't see that monster um and i know a lot of people talk about like the the, the weight thing being like, good that he added that weight i am from a little bit different mindset i think that jfm is more slippery than guys on the inside with his weight um, I think Clemens is a more linear athlete than yeah, JFM sure. where he's not as, he's not as smooth. So I don't see Clemens being able to take advantage of guards with his lateral twitch and his athleticism is like slipperiness. Um, so I don't think him adding weight's a good thing. I actually want to see him. I, I want to see him at a similar weight than he was last year. And obviously it's not their plan. They're planning to play him on the inside a little bit, but how does he win in the inside? Cause he's not going to win with straight up power. And that's pretty much all he is right now. Setting the edge, bull rushing guys, but he's not overly twitchy. He's not strong enough for he's going to like blow up a guard. So how does he win on the inside? And, you know, again, I don't want to be crazy here. I, th- I think he's a little bit overrated by fans because of his personality. I think he's a solid backup player, but that's about it for right now. And I was a little bit disappointed, so I want to see it more out of him. I mean, again, I'm not trying to step into water trying to get shit on, but uh, Clemens is not as good as some people think he is at, at this point. It just is what it is. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I mean, I loved his run defense last year, but that was a product of, you know, being so much bigger and stronger than most guys you would have at that edge position, especially yeah. going against tight ends, but you know, moving, moving inside, you know, okay. He bulks up now he can, you know, he's sufficient to play there, but now some of those advantages aren't there anymore. You can't win the same way he was winning on the edge. Not that he's going to be playing there all the time, but uh, yeah, I, I'm a little concerned as well. I think there is some upside to it. And that, you know, now he's going to be a very small defensive tackle. Maybe he's a little more explosive than some Mm -hmm. of the guards in there. But like you said, I think the difference with JFM is that, like, he's skilled. He can – he has moves. He has agility in there. That's how he's able to win inside. Clemens hasn't really shown that yet. It's more just straight line explosiveness and power. So uh, so we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, we don't want to. We don't. We don't want you to ta- to dip into those waters too, too much. But with uh, with the so Panthers game, I'm not necessarily asking for everybody who played good, but I do. I always do the studs and duds segment on on the film show. So I'm not saying like one through three or anything like that, but two or three guys or position groups who like really really stood out from from the uh, from the Panthers game in your mind. Definitely, I think first you have to mention the edge rushers Johnson and McDonald in particular. I mean. They were awesome, and they're showing. We talked about McDonald already, but I mean, JJ is, I think, is showing some signs of what we wanted to see this year, which is, uh, and I think both you and I are kind of on the same page where, like, we're optimistic about him, but you know, we acknowledge there, you know, there was a lot of room to improve off last year. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's shown some of that in preseason so so far, just adding new moves uh, into. And and I know you said the sack, you know, wasn't necessarily as great as a lot of people were. Claiming it to be, I, I love the sack. I thought it was awesome, but you know, I, I think he's showing a little bit more versatility in the yeah, yeah, pass yeah. rush repertoire, which is. Oh, I'm, which is what I, I, I know you love say. the sack, and I know like I talk about it. It's yeah. just, was it the cleanest technical sack I've ever seen? Not the no, cleanest. It wasn't. Pretty dominant, it, though. Yeah, do- dominant because of the of the speed he carried into it. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like the the timing of the cross chop, the accuracy of it, how he paired his like how how he went with it, about it with his feet, wasn't the cleanest in the world. It, it was a power, but. Yeah, it, J- JJ, um, Quentin Jefferson with his leaping cross chop yeah. that he always, always a leaping cross chop into a club rip. He does it all the time, and he, it's, it's a it's a boomer bust pass rush move. And even past that, like these guys aren't going to make the roster, but Alexandre Pitta, Tua Mo Pitta, I think his name is, uh, had a pretty good game. Solomon Thomas looked a little bit better this game, and th- that's the thing that's like in passing. I did not watch Solomon Thomas just one for one rep, but noticing him in passing, he looked a little bit more disruptive this game against you know backups or whatever you know I, well actually the, the panthers played their starters but that was good um and then you also had well what's the but bruce hector i think his name is number yeah. 69 also had a pretty good game so you know hat, hat tip to them uh who else impressed you from this from this game you had to you know label a couple more studs uh i like the first team offensive line i thought they were solid mm-hmm. for the most part I, I still think the two tackles were the weakest links out there but specific, i thought they were okay which is yeah. a step forward but I thought the interior was pretty good. I think Lakin, he had a good game. I thought McGovern really stood out, which is you know good for him because he's trying to hold off Tipman right now, who's been making a push with his play and getting sure. some more first team reps. So uh, I, I like McGovern, which is you know I think you want to see that because as much as we love Tipman, want to see him progress. McGovern still might be the guy starting, so you want to see him being in a good spot and potentially playing well. And you know competition is good, and he said it in the. Uh, in his own press conference recently, how he feels like it's brought the bre- uh, the best out of him. So uh, maybe could push him to be an even better player than he has been the past few years. Uh, the fact that he does have to compete with someone now. Uh, so I liked how he played. Uh, so I, I like that first team offensive line. What did you take away from them? Yeah, no, I I, I like them. Uh, Tomlinson seemed to, you know, if Tomlinson plays like that the entire year, we're, we're in a good spot. So I, I thought he played pretty well. McGovern pretty well, minus the, the tripping player, whatever yeah, that yeah. was. Um, Max Mitchell, I thought bounced back at least, you know, definitely, he definitely bounced back. Not, not even just a little bit, a, a lot of it. There was a lot more bad on film in, in the Browns game. Um, so that was positive. I would say past that. And I mentioned the film show before we signed or yeah, before they signed cook, but Carter and Izzy, I thought they did a good job maybe holding yeah. off, you know, Dalvin cook, uh, Michael Carter looked at the old Michael Carter. Izzy was still, there was still, you know, some hit or miss with the vision and some things like that. But obviously he had that really big game, which was really nice with the spin and all that. So, you know, good game from him. 
uh, you know, uh, Barnes to me stood out. And again, I didn't watch him every single rep, but he seemed to be better in coverage. The, the, the play of him splitting two blockers to make a tackle on a screen was a really nice play. It was a really nice play on the left edge where he avoided a guy and, and made a tackle that we broke down. Um, so he, he was a positive. Zach Wilson, again, not perfect. I think he was calmer. I think he was smoother through his reads, uh, you know, more sidearms, a little more confidence in himself. Uh, that, you know, that was a positive. There was definitely missed plays with Zach Wilson. He missed, you know, the out, the out to Lazard. There's a few things from a processing standpoint I wanted to see a little bit different. There's still some footwork issues. But overall, he's taking steps in the right direction, right? Like, I'm still not necessarily yeah. comfortable with Zach as a backup, but he's at least progressing in the things we need to see him progress with. Uh, I'm not saying he's there yet, but that was also uh, another good thing. I guess I'll go with the rest of my stuff that I wrote down for the actual film show. Boyle, you know, nine for 10. Okay, awesome. Beck didn't look pretty solid. Tittman, I thought, was not as good as the Browns game, but still pretty pretty solid. Um, I like the the tight ends effort, Yaboa specifically. Um, it seems like he's improved a little bit. I don't know if you've seen the same thing, so I haven't focused on him just squarely. I don't know if you have, but Yaboa's gotten a little bit better seemingly. Uh, yeah, Tomlinson, McGovern, Schweitzer, decent. Mitchell. Uh, Bauden was pretty solid, which I think he had a bullshit hold there uh, on, on that one play. But that's pretty much a good from the offense. And then defense, I'll, I'll do it quickly. You can add on anything, anything that you want, but I just do want to recap it. So just in case people don't look for the film shows, which I break all their plays down and stuff, or most of them. Uh, Nick Vigil, um, you had um, Hector out of sack. You had a good defensive penetration that I wrote down. Alexandria. Okay, so I, I kind of already said all this, all this stuff. I think Eccles had a bounce back game. Is there any, anything else good you want to you want to speak about from the from the Panthers game? I know we're kind of doing this lightning round because it's five days ago, but I think it's still worth mentioning. So, uh, I mean, I think with Zach, I agree with what you said. There's, there are some promising signs from a, a process yeah. standpoint, which I think is important. Just more poise, getting the ball out quicker, more willing to take check downs, less, less of the panic that I think we saw last year. Um, but you know, still, I think there's a long way to go with some of the yeah. physical things like accuracy, footwork, like you said, there, there were some misses in there, some throws that weren't perfect. So that's, that's something that I think could definitely still take some time for him. And by that, we mean not this year, like probably still another, you know, plenty of time, at least going into next year to like really refine it and take time on it. But uh, process wise, I think there are good things going on. And, you know, in terms of his outlook as a backup, I think that's promising because with a backup quarterback, you understand the talents going down. So I think the number one thing you would like to see from your backup is for them to not ruin a game. And, Last year when he was the backup at the end of the year, he wasn't that. He came in those two games and he would make killer mistakes. And I think we're seeing signs that maybe he can tone those down if he has to come in as a backup this year. Still not sure he can be super explosive or consistent with the accuracy, but maybe he'll yeah. turn it over a little bit less, take some more check downs, execute the offense a little bit more smoothly, which can allow the team to potentially win a defensive game or win based on good scheming. And things like that. So I think he's trending towards that. Um, so, but we'll see if he can keep it going. Yeah, yeah. There, and I'm trying to think of like the specific examples. Like it's, it's not only like coming up from this game, but there are some Browns plays where I want to see him. You know, the mesh concept. I think I was broken down a couple of times with people on Twitter. But you want to see him hang on, on, hang on there for a little bit longer. There was that corner route to I think Alex Erickson, where I said I want to, I want to see him hang on that read for a little bit longer. There were some other plays. Um, you know, in, in, in this game, they were good from a processing standpoint, not so good from a processing standpoint. There are some times where we're seeing some pressure in his face and he's delivering the ball accurately. But then there are times where there's, you know, maybe not some pressure in his face and he's putting a ball too high for Zonovan Knight on third and two or whatever. And he gives him not an opportunity to run for, you know, to catch the ball cleanly and, and turn up the field and gain yardage. The the play to Rucker, Rucker had to stretch out for that too much. You don't love that. There was a miss to Lazard. So still up and down, but definitely better. 
Um, past that from the game, there's not really much. Like It was the defensive line. It was Zach Wilson. It was the offensive line. It was the running backs. And past that, there really wasn't so much. Again, Zaire Barnes, um, the fact that we only got three penalties versus 12, I believe, the week before was it was a step in the right direction. So is there anything else you want to highlight from that game before we go back to the chat and we start talking about you know the Bucks game upcoming? Man, I think I think we hit all of it. Yeah, Quickly. it was it was a, there was a lot of uh, there. It was clear who was standing out. It wasn't like a super star-studded game, I would say. Yeah, right. Like we just had a few guys who just dominated. Yeah. The, the the entire game. And by the way, and, and one of the one of the duds I, I put out there, I, I put Derek Langford uh, missed a couple of tackles, a couple of bad coverage plays. Um, you know, Irvin Charles has done nothing um since last preseason, and then Brownlee too. Dude, like I broke down some really, of none of the receivers of have done anything. If we're gonna mention a dud, I think you have to look there. Yeah, the 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 idea yeah, of the receivers, Brownlee specifically, like he's been like that once ball that he was throwing a slant that he dropped him in the chest was not a good one. The route was terrible. His route running has been awful. So, uh, and I, again, I'm not trying to be like that guy or whatever, but three weeks ago, Nanya, I don't know, I don't know if you watched or whatever, but I was being called crazy for saying Brownlee's not going to make the 53 or, you know, the people are saying he's a lock, you know, all this stuff because of what a one headed handed catch in practice. I told people to relax. And now I think all those people who are telling me that he's going to make the roster are probably going to say, oh, I don't think they're going to carry him. So, um, which we'll talk about a little bit, receiver six and all that stuff. But let's get back to the chat for just a second. Uh, jo- Johnny P says, how would you predict the 53-man 53 man, uh, tight end room will be? Me? I have three. I don't know if you have four, Nania, but quickly, I don't have anybody past the the, the big three. Koontz doesn't make it. Yeboa doesn't make it. Yeah, I'm with I you. just see – yeah, you're carrying four running backs. You're carrying, you know, you're carrying a fullback. You're carrying, you know, ten defensive linemen, ten offensive linemen. Like it's just, I, I don't see a reason to carry Kuntz at this point. I think he makes it to the practice squad. He ran the wrong route. They clearly weren't happy about it. And Yaboa has been good, but I don't think good enough to necessarily make the make the roster. So um, I see that's four, or sorry, that's three. Real eighty four says, yeah, Dorian. Dor- Dorian Beckham Green Jr. And wasn't there a Doriel Green? I think that's that who he's like talking a- about. I think it's Doriel, not Dorian. Who was the who was there's a receiver from like Mizzou I'm thinking about with a similar type of name that I'm blanking out on, but I don't know. Yeah, Doriel Green Beckham. There you go. Uh Clemens is saving it for the regular. Maybe 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 he is. I don't I don't know. I just like a lot of his big plays last year that I noticed were him like blowing up tight ends. So yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and and some tackles too, but I just I just think it was a little bit maybe. What's that Jets Giants thing in Rivka's pictures? Oh yeah, I did notice that. I was gonna make a mention of it before. Is Rivka a Jets and a Giants fan? I never knew that if that is the case, but we have to address that if it is. Um, Jets X Factor in Big Blue View. Oh, interesting. I'm, does does Riff? Okay, so is Rivka a Giants fan? So I don't think she's a Giants fan, but she does some articles for a Giants site. Is she even a Jets fan? That's that. I think she is. I think I think she is because she's she's very invested. She's very invested. Um. Let's keep throwing out there. Uh, or let's keep going out. Figures, you you just like watching the guys in tight pants. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we got to something else here. Um, okay, so let's move on to – this is something I have to ask you just in general because – and we and we have a few more weeks into the season, but it was a video. I think it was by uh, – from I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but he tweeted out like a Dolphins fan uh, who's basically asking for like the, the weaknesses on the Jets roster. And I think they have a pretty good grasp on it, but – Past the offensive line, which we know is is a big question mark and potentially a weakness right now, like, is there anything else on this team you're looking at? It, you're like, like shit. Like, obviously you're going to have some weaknesses on the team, but like crippling weaknesses, maybe not crippling, maybe crippling's too too extreme, but legitimate weaknesses on this team where you're concerned past 
the the offensive line right now. Well, I, I think what's been cool about this training camp so far, some of the things we did have concerns about have been answered a little bit. Like, yeah, uh, specifically, I'm thinking of safety because mm-hmm. we had so many safety questions all offseason. And we're already at the point where Tony Adams is so firmly entrenched in that spot where he's not even playing in the preseason. So, like, that's been a promising answer to that issue. Um, I think you're still a little concerned about the guy next to him, whether that's Whitehead or Amos. Like, is that the best starter in the world? No, but at the same time, they're not, I think, you know, like a you know, liability. I, I mean, it could be, but it's not like you have a backup quality player starting there. So safety is definitely still one of the weaker positions, but even that isn't a huge concern, especially if Adams can play well. Um, third linebacker with Quan gone. And then, and then even the starting two linebackers, solid duo, not the greatest, I guess. Um, receiver depth after Garrett Wilson, just a lack of another star. Is something that could come into play, you know, if yes, yeah. miss any time. So, um, but I don't know. The roster is, it's a pretty, I think it's fair to say it's a pretty well balanced roster that outside of the offensive line, which is, you know, like we said, probably the worst position to have issues at outside of that, it, there aren't a ton of big holes. Yeah, offensive line, obviously. Um, but receiver, I, I think there's only like one or two teams. And obviously, Chase, like, even if Chase were to go down or A.J. Brown, like, yeah, those teams have Devontae and Higgins, but they're still not probably going to win it all without the number one, right? So like, that's a concern for everybody, yeah. um, in my opinion. So for the defensive side, the really the only thing that's like concerned to me at this point is, yes, do I think Whitehead's a good, strong, a strong safety? No. Do I think he's passable enough? For, it's it's going to be a weakness, but I'm comfortable enough with that, even though I want it to be addressed. One of the spots, though, is linebacker. I'm still a little concerned. I, I get that Surratt had the big game and Salah hyped him up. He was then injured, which has been a problem for him. Uh, and Barnes had a good game, but still, it was one good game out of out of two. In the first game, he flashed. Sure, Mosley has been on a slight decline. Still good, but not great. Um, you know, you have Sherwood, who's a question mark. You have Quincy Williams, who's obviously very volatile, good and you know, very good or very bad. Um, and last year, there were just times where our tight ends were attacked, whether it be the Lions game that, you know, that, that, that play to win the game late in the game, where they used a lot of you know movement to confuse the linebackers. You know, the Patriots game where it seemed like all they did was like dump it off to Hunter Henry and some of their other tight ends. And we're just, you know, kind of uh, carving up the jets. So I'm a little bit worried with the jets and their linebackers in terms of like diagnosing screens and getting, you know, like, le- like you know, level type concept over the middle, like them reacting to it. So I think that's the, that's the Achilles heel of the defense potentially is, is the linebackers and just short passes and making them really think and react. Cause they're, yeah, they're good. Like if, if you're gonna have a DN who's going to pinch inside and shoot the B gap on a run, and then you're going to ask Quincy Williams to scrape over the top and make a, a, a tackle with a, you know, running back running to the sideline. Great. If you're going to ask him to be in the right spot on a screen and diagnose it really quickly, uh, you might not be there with, with Quincy. So that's my right. one concern with the defense is the linebackers. Uh, but uh, are you there with me with the linebackers? Are you a little bit concerned or are you not so much as concerned as I am? Yeah, I agree. I think it's fair to be a little bit concerned in that, you know, some of the main concerns with this defense are the things we've seen the past couple of years, like yeah. draw plays, screens to running backs, covering tight ends, like some of those things. But I do think at the same time, like, there isn't a perfect defensive philosophy. I feel like everything has to be like, here's what we're going to try to take away. Here's what we want to do. Well, here are the things we're going to sacrifice to accomplish that. And then with this scheme, you know, what do they do? Well, is they take away the deep ball. They have good corners that could take away your receivers on the outside. They get after the quarterback. Those are the things that are most important. And I feel like in terms of the talent on the roster and the way they play philosophically and with the scheme, it all plays into that, you know, covering the most dangerous players and getting after the quarterback. So 
if they're going to be great at those things and it means they have to give up a little bit in terms of covering running backs or, you know, some of the runs up the middle and things like that, I think it's a fair trade-off. But at the same time, you run into a team that can exploit those weaknesses. Like, you know, I think we saw the Patriots have done a really good job exploiting that. Um, And then some of the other losses last year, you know, that it could be problematic and you don't want to get into the playoffs and have these very clear weaknesses and then run into a team that's perfectly built to exploit it. And now your season's over. So I, I think it is a concern. You do want to find, you don't want to see them find ways to account for some of those issues. But at the same time, I think overall the defense prioritizes the right things and is good at the right things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, I'm a little bit concerned about like some tight ends. Obviously they play Goddard, they yeah. play, they play Kelsey, um, you know, so there's, there's some good, there's some good players out there, but we'll, we'll see how exactly it, it shakes out. Uh, Rivka says, do you have five linebackers? Surratt play? Yeah, those are, I have five linebackers making the final 53 at this point. Um, I didn't think Surratt was gonna make the team, but f- four is already kind of thin. Like five is already kind of thin. Four is really, really thin. And seeing Salah's love for Surratt, I think he makes it. And, I'm going to do the 53 next week with Kyle. Being said, I'm not going to for Eccles being suspended for a game. Like, you know, whatever, whatever the, the the week two roster is, it's going to be my 53. Like, I'm not going to put Eccles off of it. But, yeah, I think I have Surratt and Barnes both making it. Do you think both those guys make it at this point? I've, I've kind of wavered on that one because, you know, there yeah. are so many other tough positions to where it's like maybe linebackers where you cut it short to make room for, you know, whether it's a receiver or running back, you're squeezing in there, tight end, safety, like, mm-hmm. or even D line, which is so deep. Um, but linebackers, one position I've considered, maybe we cut it short to make room for a guy I want somewhere else. So I'm torn on that. But yeah, I, I think I lean lean towards five. But I, I don't know. That's what I'm torn on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rivka says she's concerned with the other deep tackle position next to Q. I know Woods and Jefferson together make a quality player, but what? of the run when Jefferson is on the field. Yeah. And, and that's something we brought up too. Um, and again, I, I think for this regime, like for the most part, I like a lot of what they do, but I will legitimately question Salah this year. If, you know, he rotates some hockey lineups like he did last yeah. year, right? Like we've been talking about that forever. I don't think it's something we need to hit on. It's something that he legitimately needs to address. You know, you can't have Al Woods or, or you can't have Quentin Jefferson in there on third and one, because that's how the rotation works. Like, no, you have to be more specific to the actual play. Right. Um, in, in my opinion, and and more and and even past more specific to the actual play, you can't have a bunch of backup. You know, and I'm obviously the Jets' defensive, like the Jets' backup defensive line may be legitimately better than other teams' starting defensive linemen. But with that being said, I don't want all the backups in on one play, then all the starters in. So, uh, Sala being more diverse with that is a concern. I, I think that's legit. I think that's a really good point. Rifka, linebacker, pass coverage, yeah. Uh, Revolution says, what do you guys think of Nazardine getting cut? And do you think the Jets pick him back up to the practice squad? Which Rivka answered, he was uh, he's on the Jets, um, IR. Which, by the way, talking about IR, I saw that Gidry, um, was was added to like the IR yeah. or whatever today. Did you hear anything about Gidry getting getting injured? Uh, was, was it the Panthers game? It might have been in the Panthers game. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure I saw something prior to that. But that definitely affects oh, yeah. roster predictions because I had him on most of my rosters. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So let's let's um let's go to the let's uh, let's go to the one question here first because it's Daniel Murphy, especially putting the queue before I always got to go right to it. So I appreciate it. Uh, if you could take one player from one of our division rivals, who would you choose? It's a good one. Can I say um, ter- ter- can, I, can I say Teron Armstead like twelve hours ago, not like six hours ago? 
<laughs> I think I think he just went down. But uh, yeah, Nani, who would be your answer? I think, for I think they one? said he was okay, despite you know he got carted off or whatever. I think he's okay though. Okay, that's a good yeah. One. Um, um, so I think I think there's really three like three answers because he's probably the best tackle in the division, right? So I think I think really it's 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 him. I think you could say there's an argument for and how long is this for? I think there's an argument for Josh Allen, obviously. Let's just let's just cancel that. Let's not talk about quarterbacks. We're probably taking Josh Allen realistically, right? For, for yeah. the long. For the, long, for the term. long term, but it's Armstead. I could see um, Tyree Kill, like Rivka said, because Tyree Kill and and Garrett Wilson is just like absolutely, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Past that, is there any other like, other guys you consider? Maybe Javon Holland, because you know if you have him and Tony Adams, like really really good safety duo. But I think it's really probably just Ty- it's Tyreek or Tron, and Tron has injuries, so realistically, it's 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 Tyree Kill because he's still a top five receiver, right? Yeah, it's tough because, like, I think Armstead obviously fills the need the Jets have right now, but Hill's obviously the, I'd say, I mean, you could throw in Waddle, but, you know, that either one of them, best player, it's intriguing, but you still have the same issue of, you know, who's mm-hmm. how's the ball going to get there if he doesn't have time? So I'd probably go Armstead. Um, New England? What do you think of New England? I mean, oh, I think I think he's just talking about one player in general. Oh, in the whole division? division? I thought he said yeah. from each team. No, no, he said. He said, if you okay. could take one player from one of our division rivals, who would you? Choose? I guess Armstead if, is the best lineman in the division, so I, I'd probably go yeah, with that. I don't even know, if, even I, if he's old, it's just it, for what the Jets need right now, going for it this season. Like you think plugging him in makes the Jets a better team than them with Tyree Kill? Like it's 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 a legitimate conversation because like how quickly are they are they going to get open? Like Jesus, dude, that's just that's a really hard question. I, I really I really enjoy that. I'd probably say Hill, but I get. Saying Armstead, I just man, I I, I cannot imagine that Tyreek Hill one. too. Let's just get it Hill. Figure out the offensive line. Hill, BPA. if it's the, if it's if it's the if it's the so if it's it's probably Hill for them. If it's the Bills, I would say Milano or Poyer for just a year, right? And if we're talking about the Pats, I think I'd go Milano. Like if we want to talk about linebacker Milano. coverage issues, I think yeah, I don't think anyone would solve it other than like Fred Warner. Probably that's your best bet. Pat's Pat's nobody fuck fuck you guys like Judon I would say Judon but we have so many edge rushers yeah other than that they don't really have a lot of standouts no I would I would take um I would take uh uh who's that who's our safety their big safety plays uh Duggar Kyle Duggar I would take Duggar dude Uh, he's he's a a good good player I think I think he I think he would fit well um but okay moving on from that because we're talking about Michael Michael Owenu is 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 another one Deion Dawkins. No, I'm not thinking Deion Dawkins over Milano or Poyer. There's there's no way. But Milano's a really good one for coverage. Poyer's been a little bit injured too. So yeah, Duggar. I would say Duggar, Duggar, Milano, Hill would be my three. But Hill over all of them. Um, with Armstead as a close second. I, I really I have to think about that quite a bit. But uh in terms of the Bucks game, we have the Bucks game Saturday. Nania, what are some things you're looking for in that game before we close out and maybe go to some other questions or whatever else pops in the chat, which I, I did love that question from, from Daniel Murphy. But uh, what, are, what are you watching from uh, for, for that game? And we don't obviously know who's starting yeah. and stuff like that, like who's going to play reps, but in general. Well, there's the Becton storyline. I think it's it would be good to see him really stack reps in this game, like three-plus quarters, maybe the whole game. We'll see if they actually do that. I would love to see it. And if he starts a right tackle, we want to see how he does well there. So uh, he's been the main story the first two games, but I think it it's going to be the same thing again. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson, him continuing his progress. Uh, and, and then the running backs. I think there's some pressure on those guys now with Cook in the building. It's official like you know, that they're competing now to be on this roster. So how do they respond? 
those are a few of the things that come to mind first. Uh, anything else for you? Yeah, I, w- I would say um, wide receiver six. Like, are, is it going to be? Yeah. Get, like, is someone going to do something? Just that question. Yeah, right, like, Taylor's one catch. They they they've been like they they've kind of flashed sometimes. Like you have Gibson who had that really shifty return, but then he also drops you know drops a punt. You have. Yeah. Brownlee's done nothing. I'm sorry, Brownlee's done nothing minus one good release and a catch behind him. Past that has been pretty dreadful, even when he's not like specifically getting targeted. The routes haven't been great, in my opinion. Again, maybe you've watched more. Uh, I don't focus on every single no, guy. I, I, agree I agree with you. I agree with you. So, yeah, is it, is it Gibson? Like, to me, I would – your power rankings. What's your power rankings right now for receiver six? Let's let's do that really quickly because right now, mine legitimately might be – I don't know. I, it I might be Taylor, Gibson, Taylor, one. Brownlee, or, or Taylor, Gibson, Gibson, Brownlee. I said Taylor just because special teams, I think. Because like other everyone else, I don't think, has the same special teams impact. So if no one's going to shine on offense, I would mm-hmm. lean towards him. Plus, he has the Packers experience a few yeah, years but he's of that. 20, but he's 28. And he like, is and older, you've, yeah. And you've had Gibson, who he, he has some punt return you know, ability, and we've seen some of that. Yeah. So I, I just think the the age factor and the fact he can punt return as well as as uh, Taylor would, would edge out Taylor for me just because of the age. So I would say Gibson, Taylor, Brownlee, in my opinion. Maybe. I feel like Gibson's had some good routes. Among the receivers, he's the yeah. one I've seen. Like, there's some routes there that, like, you can build on that, especially in the Browns game. Yeah. So, uh, so Rivka's with you. Rivka says Taylor, Gibson, uh, no one, Brownlee. I'm saying Gibson, Taylor, then Brownlee. But Brownlee's become the third one, like, not, I'm not going to say relatively easily, but he dropped off like, very, very quickly. So yeah. I'm watching for that. I want to see a little bit more from Nick Bauden, um consistency in terms of his blocking. I'm looking at tight end four, you know, Bauden versus tight end four as well, uh, whether it be Yaboa or Kuntz. Like you said, with Beckton, watching for that. I'm watching also for, for Zach Wilson. Uh, Mitchell, like Max Mitchell. You know, if Beckton's not playing, it's probably Max Mitchell at this point. So let's see him hopefully put some more good plays on rep or, or on, on field or film. Uh, McDonald, is he going to continue to build off what he's been doing? JJ, is he going to continue to build off what he's been doing? is do you think Tony Adams is going to play this game? That's something I've been thinking about uh, in terms of something I want to see because uh, I know yeah. Sal said some more defenders might play in this game. Okay. So maybe so you just, you'd assume it's him then, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, he's going to be the starting free safety and it's not, you know, he's, it's not like he's like Derwin James or something like that at this point, like he needs to play a little bit. Um, so I would like to see Tony Adams. And then I would say past that um, a few of the things, linebacker four or five, how does Surratt, how does Barnes play? Gidry versus Hall was one of my topics, but now he's on IR. So does he come back? I'm not sure exactly the situation is with that is, but Gidry versus Hall is going to be one of them. Um, and then the last thing I would say would be Wilson, you know, or, or sorry, uh, Knight versus Carter. You know, at the end of the day, I think Carter probably is the guy I would like to keep for the upside we saw in year one from him, and then how he obviously bounced back in in this one preseason game. Um, but is there a situation where Knight balls out and then maybe Carter is traded? So I'm watching for that as well. That one is interesting because it really feels like the Panthers game totally shifted the perception yeah. of that battle. Because before that, all we've heard throughout camp is that Knight has been the guy, that he's been the best running back. And Carter's obviously coming off a very tough season versus yeah. Knight, who did flash there at the end a little bit. Um, but you had that one game where you know Knight didn't play the greatest against the Panthers. He had a near fumble, didn't really produce. And then Carter had some great runs and finally looked like his old self again. So it really feels like that one game shifted the narrative, but it was just one quarter of a preseason game. So I'm interested to see if the balance can be shifted between those guys. Uh, Yeah. I, I kind of want to tie this into a question. If we're cutting Bam, might need to keep the potential backup returner. How do you see the, uh, the punt returner and kick returner thing? So it doesn't seem like anybody 
is necessarily like taking the bull by the horns there. So, you know, Cobb is, I think Cobb is consistent. He's almost like, and, and I think he might be better than this, but he's almost like your Jeremy Curley. Like, you know what you're going to yeah. get. He's going to, he's going to catch the ball, all that stuff. Harbin's the guy volatile. He's either going to field the ball at two and fair catch it, fumble it, or he's going to take it, you know, 25, you know, 30 yards. Um, if night's gone, you know, who's going to return kicks? So what, how do you see kick return or punt return? I know that's not to talk about often. I mean, isn't Harbin, question. is he the favorite right now, punt return, just based on practice reps? Because I know we haven't really seen it in preseason. Yeah, but is he I kind of penciled it. in, or are these other guys like Gibson pushing him for I, it? I legitimately don't know because I don't know. Maybe you could speak to his splits as like a returner. I can tell you that me watching, and and there's definitely times where I skip past special teams. I, just for, I honestly forget. But I saw reps of him fielding the ball at the five-yard line. And, and then, you know, and it could have bounced, which was a problem. I saw him f- maybe fumble one. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe maybe not a fumble. Um, but is he like is he being overrated as a returner at, at this point? I, I think maybe. Um, I don't know if the, the numbers would indicate that as well, though, um, or back me up there. Yeah, he, he does have a decent punt return success, I think. He has, he has done more punt than kick. Kickoff he did as a rookie since then. He hasn't mm-hmm. really done it. Um, punt he is his decent averages but there's definitely some of that inconsistency um and then Cobb, i think you get a more like you said like sure-handed guy he's probably not going to explode or anything so i don't there, that is a, a mystery so i am curious especially in the giants game when all the starters play to see how some of the stuff so goes. i'm gonna put i'm gonna put pressure on you right now at this moment uh what thursday august 17th at 8 16 p.m who is the first jet to return a kick 9-11 and who was the first yet to return a punt on 9-11 uh i'm gonna go hardman both that's my that's my gun to my head answer uh yeah i don't know man i, I don't feel totally go, confident in it but just you put me on the spot if he, that's my he quick has, answer he has returned kicks yeah i'm gonna go hardman kick return, he's done it I'm, but he did it less the past few years less the past few years i just yeah, feel like I night i do like night as a kickoff return he's very very good at it in college and he, he kind of feels like he's more of that skill set for me Fuck it. They got to win that game. They got to win that game. It's going to be Brees Hall. It's going to be Brees Hall returning the first Brees game. Hall. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because like, there's not a lot of the good de- – like, it's Gibson, Cobb, Hardman, right, at this point. Like, a lot that. of the, the guys competing for it might not make the team. Erickson, exactly. Gibson, yeah. all these guys in the mix. So that's why like, maybe Hardman is the dual guy on returners. I'm going to say Hardman kick return, return, and then punt return is going to be Cobb. Be- maybe maybe it's a thing where, like – Maybe maybe it's a thing, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if team, teams actually would ever do this or not, but is it a situation where maybe if it's like a return or a, a spot where they're expected to catch it like past the 20-yard line, then it would be Hardman. But if it's a situation where you think they may like cough and corner him or you might, you know, might, you may have to make a decision in yeah. terms of like fair catching it, maybe it's a Cobb situation. Yeah. I don't, I don't return know. Return platoon. Yeah, because yeah. Cobb would be the guy who like he's going to let it bounce at the eight. Harbin's gonna try to catch it and, and and run it out and get yeah. tackled. So I don't know. It's interesting. Um, who's the better guard, Schweitzer or Turner? Turner hasn't done it in years, or yeah, years. So I'm gonna say Schweitzer at this point. But Turner's film was more one of the more interesting like case studies for me in terms of a guy who's more athletic and not so strong, actually being better at guard in my opinion. So I think Turner is a better guard than he's a tackle from what I've seen on film. Um, but he hasn't done it in years, so I'm going to give it to Schweitzer. Uh, I don't know if you have an answer to that one, Nania. Yeah, I mean, I haven't focused on it too closely, so I, I would go through yeah. whatever you say there. Um, Sw- uh, Swolsey says, uh, Rucker, H-back, fullback over Bauden on Raw. I, Bauden hasn't been – he was on an install. He didn't play the first game. He came out with the starters. I think Rucker could fill some of those responsibilities, but I also don't want him to – 
create movement on a D end or to be, you know, have a running back running behind me to try to, to try to drive block a, or, or to kick out a mic or something like that, or, or drive him vertically down the field. Like Ruckert's a guy who split zone getting in the way of guys. I think he could do, but in terms of like him creating three, four yards of movement, I don't think he's going to do that like a Baldwin can. So I think Baldwin makes the roster. I agree. Like all indications are that'll make the team. And like you said, and I've seen you um, post about it a little bit in some replies on Twitter and stuff, but like it is a different skill set. I think tight end blocking and fullback. Uh, and it's not always transferable. Some guys at tight end can maybe fill some of those, but I, I think you carry fullback for a reason because they can do different things that your tight ends might not be ideal for. Didn't I, I, I would have saw a clip of Clemens on punt return or kick return of like him charging down the field and like somebody made a comment yeah, about he it. He was. Yeah. Okay. Did he like a tackle? Did he, did he blow somebody up on him? I don't, I don't think he did him. anything. He was just out there and it, it was weird to see him because <laughs> he's so much bigger than most guys you see on that. He's unit. being a fucking monster. He's yeah. being a monster. I, um, I, I like guys with better long speed for, I, I think this is a generic, I think this is probably the more like, I'm not saying generic, like not a comment, but like general thinking i would say yeah. shift to your guys because punt returns it all happens a lot quicker where kick return you have a little bit of a, of a build up so the guys who are like longer striders bigger dudes can be hard to knock off their spot are better for kick returns and that's why i'm not so sure if harman is the best kick yeah. he's so fucking fast that maybe he just he just does it anyway i don't, I don't know uh rivka says uh, what about izzy izzy kickoff i don't think he, i don't know if he's been in the mix for it but yeah, I haven't seen him field one, right? So it's a possibility. I'm I'm really interested to see that. Like that's an underrated storyline. Who's who's actually gonna be the returners, in my opinion. Now there'll be fucking six articles out on it, you know, three by Ravenclaw, three by you tomorrow. So we'll we'll see. Um let's uh, oh she's sorry, she said uh Gibson could be could possibly make the team for his returns because he has an electric track record. If they're more concerned about electric play from fumbles, Cook Gibson is a bust is a best bet. Yeah, I, that's why I say I can see Gibson making the roster because of his punt return and kick return, but we'll see. Um, okay, script kicks funny. There's gonna be a lot of teams trying to kick it to the one yard line, in, in my opinion, and make them field it. But Clemens was one of the guys who kind of messed up on the pa- Patriots return. Okay, last question because uh, he just left it in here. If Jets go make the legacy jerseys, they're permanent next year. Uh, what do you th- guys think the bl- Think of a black alternate version of the legacy jersey. You're more you're welcome for the uni question, Nani. Go ahead, Nani. Appreciated. So. Which by the way, we have one viewer who I like, Matt, who's saying that our throwback jerseys aren't that nice and they're too plain. Like there's not enough to them. Which I like simplicity of jerseys. That's how I, I roll, but um go ahead, uh Nani, for your for your this isn't CYJ. Yeah. He does have the logo behind him, so I guess we can kind of end on yeah. the jersey question. It's kind of it's kind of on brand for Nani. It's a crossover so. event, so we got to incorporate some of some of this podcast into Blue's Bliss. So there's got to be some uniform <laughs> there. So I, I guess before I hit the question, I'll address what you um, the other comment about the throwbacks. I mean, I do agree with that. That's like why I'm I defend the current jerseys and like them more than most people's because I do like how modern jerseys kind of incorporate some more unique elements into them instead of just like here's some block numbers and some stripes. So I, I just I do don't like, like that. stripes that go in different ways. I don't like, the, I agree the wing, that that's a weakness. stripes with downs on the bot pants. Right. It just doesn't, doesn't look right. Totally agreed. I think that's the, the weakness of it. I think the biggest weakness, I like the idea, but it could have been executed better. It's pretty distracting. It's not clean. So uh, that's a weakness, but so I do get the idea. Like, you know, the throwbacks are you know kind of simple, but I like that. I think there's yeah. something to be said for simplicity in uniforms and, I think what puts it over the top for me is the fact that you still have the current helmet and the current helmet is very shiny. It's sleek. 
modern, futuristic looking with that the way it's the paint that they use. And then you slap the 80s logo on it, which I think complements that because yeah. despite being a classic logo, I think it looks more modern than the one they currently have. Um, so I think you put that helmet with the uniform and that gives you that modern feel in addition to a simple uniform. So I think it's a good blend there. So I, I do like the throwbacks a lot and I would like to see that be the primary if, if they do make a change. I'm still curious to see if the, how the stitching is going to come in my vehicle. Oh, but also, yeah, in terms of a black stuff. alternate, I think that would, I, I could definitely see that looking good in, in the in oh, the throwbacks. Dude, I think that would look so nice yeah. with that that Jets logo. I, I would really, that's, I would, I would love that. Do you think they actually legitimately re like? I don't know if there's ever, and obviously, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. Anybody in the chat, whatever, but like, has there been a team who's changed their jerseys yeah, and then like four years back. later changed their jerseys dude, back I think again? The, like, is that the Bucks probably might be? I don't know how long they had those Creamsicles? digital clock jerseys. Remember the digital clock jerseys they had, the 2010s, and they changed back to the ones they currently have? The like James Winston era, they had those really ugly jerseys. Yeah, They yeah. changed to that, and then they changed back. I forget if that was five years, though. It might have been a little bit longer than that. But hmm. it, would, it would be quick, but I feel like Woody's very in tune with the fans, especially on uniform stuff. Just the fact that they brought back these throwbacks, I think, is very fan-centric. It was highly requested, so uh, I I feel like they have a, their finger on the pulse of the fan base. So I and it does feel like most fans want that change. So I do think it will happen. Would be my there prediction. Some, there are some older fans who I run into though who like associate that jersey with losing a lot. So yeah. um yeah, Johnny Johnny P says Cleveland change after five years. Yeah, them too. Really? Did, did they? They're, dude, I I hate that. Like, orange and brown and just like just the grossest thing ever i i, I never have ever I, I don't like any of their jerseys maybe like the white with the orange okay, like when there's no brown in there I, I it's okay but i don't know i i hate cleveland white face mask um yeah do you yeah so so next year it would be it would be obviously if they do do that change it's the green 80s the white 80s the green helmet white face mask and then what three games of alternate black jerseys where they could you know Probably. throw the yeah black helmet green green symbol black face mask would that be probably yeah black face mask right i don't, I don't know what, uh, what would I'd be, be curious to see how they would do that would they do like the black throwbacks with the black helmet keep a green helmet i i, I like the i like the blacks with the black helmet better than the blacks and green i don't love the green helmet with you the like black. that better I, I, just, I, I was torn on it yeah. at first i thought i liked the green helmet better but when i saw them i was like maybe black is better mm-hmm. um but i could go either way on that one yeah, so we'll end it on that <laughs> again for on brand for for CYJ. You gotta cut me I'm off, or I would just keep going. Uh, I'm not Ben busting. No, no, but like I like I like the the new jerseys. I think that some people associate it with losing. It's just when you have the wings and then the pants. I mean, what Jets uniform? Just, I guess I guess other than the name, it's isn't associated with losing. With losing, yeah. I, I so like to me, I think the previous I, ones they had, they did have the '98. They had that '98 and 2009, 2010. So I guess that was that was a good era. The previous ones. Minus going back to the '80s logo, which I which I want the the other like so again these jerseys are okay to me. The '80s are the what, the what we just said is what I want. Past that, the pre Nike Jets prior jerseys were the were the best ones, the other than the '80s ones. Yeah, the Reebok yeah. the Reebok yeah. jerseys um were the were the best. Like I think they changed like what twelve or thirteen where it became really shitty looking. Twelve, yeah, yeah, twelve like Matt Forte, just like a really like just like a dull green. It was just gross. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so let's let's see. I don't know if there's anything else in here really, really quick. We can just hit on. I think the Packers had the ugliest uniforms in the league. Um, the ugliest uniforms in the league. That one's tough that, because it, it, they're one of those teams where it's like 
you're so used to seeing it and they have that history where you kind of uh you know you're you're just you used to seeing that. it so you you, you don't it's really classic. evaluate it it's classic but it's yeah. like if a new team came out with that you'd be like green and yellow i don't know about that yeah maybe maybe i'm looking through the teams now honestly like it, it's probably it's it's probably the browns the packers that's really like I don't hate any the, the Seahawks. They're they're puke green. I don't like the Rams. It's, it's pretty it's pretty gross. Their new yeah, uniforms. The Rams are, are are pretty are pretty bad as well. Um, Commanders. We're gonna see what they're. I don't know if they're gonna go back to the Redskins or not. We'll see. I don't know if that's like a thing that's actually gonna happen, but we'll see what happens. Um, okay. So there's definitely people who are clicking off like hate the uniform talk. I think for me, and it's funny because you know, I don't think you played football. You didn't you, you didn't play football, but I did. It's usually it's usually people who played football and who who played sports like fall not not necessarily fall into life, but who played high school sports or college sports who like the uniform stuff and the people who don't who hate it and they say just win, which you'd assume Nani would be about, yeah. but he's the polar opposite. He loves the uniform, so we had to we had to get it in there um okay yeah. let's see I, I wasn't crazy about the the hue of green with the previous rebot yeah it was a nike when it became browns are bad okay nania last words which by the way um kyle's going to start being on every single week i think maybe starting in like two weeks whatever nania did alternating shows without kyle last year i'm not gonna say this is definite but it seems like nania's gonna come back every other week during the season um so nania with that being said any any last words before we see you again in you know whatever two three weeks no, I mean, this This was awesome. Uh, it's a really exci- exciting time right now. So it was great to come on and recap all of it. Talk some Dalvin Cook. I feel like I was able to speak my piece a little bit, both the good and the yeah. bad, defend it, but also be like, you know, I'm rooting for the guy. And there are, you know, reasons to be optimistic that I'm holding on to. So uh, I was glad I could address that. And always fun to come on here. Looking forward to being on pretty frequently throughout the mm-hmm. season. Yeah, I, I think I I don't know how long clips can be on Twitter. Um, Nani, it was like two or three minutes. I think I think I might have to clip you talking positively about Dalvin Cook and just the positive stuff and say, look, it exists and put and push it on Twitter. Uh, yeah. if, if you're comfortable with that, we'll we'll see. But um, do that. I, that's my legacy now. I'm the Dalvin Cook guy. You're the Dal. Yeah, you're a few. Yeah, the Dalvin Cook guy, the the uniform guy. There's there's been you know, the the Sam Donald guy for the hundred reasons. I was, I was a little yeah. Brady Man guy for a little yeah, bit. Was it Brady yeah. Man? Yeah, Brady yeah, Man. Brady man. For, a little bit. Um, so we will be joined by Nani in a couple of weeks. I appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in. Uh, we will have the, the review of the Panthers game is up. The Bucks review will be up a couple of days after. Uh, past that, I'll have a Davin Cook review. I don't think that Yadonika Juice review is ever getting out. <laughs> I, I forgot that. about it, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, safe, it's safe to say, unless we yeah. want like a double digit view video. We yeah, can hold like, that like one. <laughs> four, four, four views. Um, but we appreciate you guys, and 